You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. So, I have a question. Have you ever wanted to get into comics, but you just didn't know where to start? Well, welcome to Comics Quest. I'm JD Martin, and every week I sit down with a guest to talk a comic that I think anybody can pick up and start their comics reading journey. We take a look at psychedelic sci-fi, fantastical action, heart-wrenching love stories, and of course, superheroes. So check us out at CertainPOV.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to We Have Issues, Geek Elite Media Show that's about everything literary. Books, comic books, web comics, manga, everything else you might be reading. We are here to talk about it. As always, I am your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick, who is always at my side, Hostway. It's been such a long and busy day. I was able to squeeze in a Black Widow viewing. So, yes, uh, Hostway is going to give us his review of Black Widow with no spoilers. Uh, Black Widow review with no spoilers. It was so good. It was, I mean, like most MCU things that are just almost perfect, it is the one thing. uh, But honestly, I'm not going to say what, because that's literally going to so many spoilers. But it's always like the one thing, and it's like, well, I guess you you win some, you lose some. But overall, it really was uh, the Black Widow movie that we've kind of been waiting for. At least, like, it was a great nod to just giving that character a good, a great highlight. Nice. I, I only did just tweet out one spoiler, not spoiler review. It was just just to be uh, just to be cheeky, but uh, it it doesn't say Black Widow will return at the end of the credits, and it was just like, oh, that's sad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I was like, I was like, oh, is, is it? Is it? Is it? Just because like the way the movie is played, so technically she would come again because uh, it's like pre uh, the big ones. So, uh, but no, it doesn't. It's like uh, we all know why. <laughs> But no, honestly, um, like, it's definitely worth the watch. One thing I want to ask, because I've been seeing a lot of hype that Florence Pugh plays Yelena. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been seeing she might actually get an Oscar nomination for this movie. What do you think? Wow. I, I mean, honestly, she definitely, like, it sounds like she, steal, she steals the show. It's just like, but when she's on camera, like, her presence is her presence is known. Like, you still, you, you want more out of, like, the banter. Like, it doesn't really, like, oh, I want, give me more Black Widow, give me more ScarJo. It's like, as soon as, as soon as she steps up, like, you're just waiting for her next quip or her next line. Cause it's like, there, I like that the MCU, at least, like, in the, Mar- on the Marvel side of Disney, uh, they're, they're not afraid to, start to say, to say certain topics out loud now, or to, to call out certain topics out loud now. Mm-hmm. And that's really one of the highlights about the movie and, like, of hers as well. Nice. Awesome. Well, we're going to go ahead and move straight into our comic books for the week, guys. Uh, it's not the biggest week we've had, but it's a, it's a strange week. Mm-hmm. Lots lots of different stuff, and yeah. we'll get straight into it. Uh, I'm really excited uh, to talk about some of these, and you guys know what I'm about to say. We start not with the typical bang, but with a boom. A boom. boom comic books. Uh, boom Studios, in fact. Um, so... We have several books here. I got a couple solo ones, and I'm going to start with a guilty pleasure. No, not a guilty pleasure, because as Dave Grohl says, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. <laughs> if you're going to like something, just like it. Yeah. So 
a love of mine, I'll say, and that's pro wrestling. Oh, um, yes. So WWE is partnered with Boom Studios to make a book for The New Day. <laughs> and uh, I love The New Day. They're a lot of fun. I got this cover, which is the A cover, but I also got this cover, which is actual photos of them. Nice. And this one says connecting variant. So I think it's going to be one long picture. So nice. I'm pretty excited. Um, so this book, uh, Josue, I, I know you're like a casual fan of wrestling. Yeah. You know who the New Day is though, right? Yes. They're like one of the biggest group, like acts in WWE right now. Um, so this one's written by Evan Narcisse and Austin Walker. Um, illustrated by Daniel Bayless, letter by DC Hopkins. So the cool thing with this is there's a couple things I really like about it. Um, I really like their animated like forms, the way they look. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of really cool um, callbacks to WWE history. And uh, I really enjoy that. Uh, there's like jokes about when Farouk was forced to dress as a gladiator. And it's Kofi Kingston as a kid watching, being like, why do they make him dress like that? And I'm like, that's great. Like, oh, that's cool. Little, little things like that. And then he's like, and then it's Kofi in the arena or in the arena in the crowd watching Farouk when he's in the nation domination. He's like, glad he stopped wearing that corny gladiator. <laughs> like, it's just really fun. <laughs> and it, it, what it is, is they took their real lives and kind of fictionalized them. Oh, um, nice. So like Xavier Woods, real name isn't Xavier Woods, but in this it is. And mm-hmm. they make like, they, they kind of stretch their abilities a little bit as far as like biggie is basically like so much larger than every other child in present sight and like xavier's really good at everything which he is he's, he's great at, you know he's a really talented multi-talented guy but they kind of do it and it's really a lot of fun I, I i just it's so much fun to watch this and basically they make an actual story about it where kofi's a wrestler and the whole thing is like yeah he's cool but and the crowd cheers for him, but, you know, he needs to do something different. And uh, there's kind of a hint that Triple H is holding him back, is the idea. Oh, okay. Uh, which is great, because this would have had to been done with permission from WWE, so it's going to be an in-character thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, he's like, hey, you make a lot of effort, but he's like, people want it, people want a gimmick. They don't want to see you just do, you know, do kicks and stuff. So he teams them up with Big E, and then he's like, look, big guy, little guy, perfect. And it's just like little thought put into it. And then at the same time, Xavier Woods is doing his wrestling thing, and they have end, they end up teaming up. And basically, it's it's Xavier Woods' idea in this, in this version. And they team up, and they actually start winning, and that's kind of the end of it. And at the end, we get this ominous picture of Triple H looking unhappy that they're succeeding. Um, hmm. My personal favorite about this is that a lot of these shots are them feuding with the shield. Right? So, you can see here, here's Kofi jumping on Roman Reigns. Ah, nice. Here's Big E slamming Seth Rollins. <laughs> and here's Xavier with somebody in a headlock that we can't see. And the reason for that is Dean Ambrose isn't with the WWE anymore. <laughs> He's with AEW. So, Ooh. every time Dean Ambrose appears in this, he doesn't appear. Uh <laughs> It's it's just he's just just off camera. Like it's so funny to it's me. Such like generic likeness. <laughs> yeah, it's just hair. You just see hair every time. So like, and or they'll do this, like this one. See, see the turnbuckle blocking that guy's head. Oh, that's supposed to be him. That's him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think it's hilarious, actually. So, um, but no, it's really a lot of fun, and I think it's um, it's really well told, and I think it's going to be a really cool companion. 
And I really think we're going to get more wrestling stories like this. I would really enjoy that, actually. Uh, cool. This is really cool. And I'm excited because I'm a really big fan of all three of these guys, especially Xavier, because I watch Up, Up, Down, Down, his gaming channel. Nice. And um, yeah, and it's a big, thick book, too. They're really It's like a double size. Uh, That's cool. Them, so, yeah. I like that. They, I like that they uh, they're going with using like just the wrestling lore, mm-hmm. like I mean, like the backstories are just like going along with certain storylines because it's just like it's supposed to be bombastic. So it's like why not use it in the comic book medium? It's almost perfect. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, my next itself. <laughs> <laughs> my next book is Memo, hmm. uh, Boombox. It's a Boombox book. It's made by Sass Millage, entirely made by Sass Millage. Uh, the only other credit is Bill Murdoch for the flats. Um, so I hate saying this because I know you're trying not to buy all the books in the world. <laughs> this <laughs> is a really good book and I'm pretty sure Steven picked this up too. And I can't wait to see his review of it. Mm. Um, it's about a young girl and she lives in this village and just look, okay. Just yeah, look at the, honestly, I couldn't even like go through it cause I knew I was going to buy Look at like it. the landscape of it. Yeah. Like, and like the characters you can see, you can kind of see like they look like like so basically the story yeah. is her it. village her village is getting attacked by a um by magic and she has to get the the witch of the area and so she goes to find her and says so she finds this young woman cool. and she offers to help well you find out as it goes on that the young woman is the granddaughter of the witch and the witch has passed away so the village no longer has a witch uh, and she's like, I don't want to be here. She's like, I used to live here when I was a child, and I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. So, but she she offers to help right now, but she still has every intention of getting out of there, basically. Um, so yeah, basically, you find out that magic is ravaging this town. Um, the the girl's mom is in a coma, basically a magical coma, because of something in the attic, and we get some really cool like Specter Inspector style like stuff going on. Where she she goes into um, she goes into the attic to find it, and there's like this really cool like butterfly that flies onto her face. Yeah, and then we get this. Uh, yeah, I know, man. I know. I hate to do it to you, so. <laughs> but it's really cool. And then on top of all that, so uh, the witch has a necklace that will protect her. Well, the girl insists on going with her, so she gives the girl the necklace. And the witch starts to get overwhelmed, so the girl runs and puts the necklace around both of them. So this is the last shot. Oh. Um. And I'm kind of like, oh, oh no, is this going to be another love interest thing that I'm going to adore? Like, <laughs> I'm going to start shipping, yeah. I know, I just absolutely love this book, dude. It's so good. It's man, done honestly, really- no, it just look at the back cover. Ah, like- man. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a uh, arrow psyche but with more words <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> so man uh, no, i mean it's just like I'm, I'm not it sounds like it almost feels like it because it's just like by like it's like by the by the words being said out loud but uh it's like i'm not giving up on new comics i'll just like at, at the very least i get yeah. to i get to be excited for trades <laughs> yeah definitely and like as stuff ends maybe you pick up some other stuff so oh That's for cool. sure oh, definitely i just need that number to go significantly lower <laughs> yeah so that's the end of my boom solos. Josue, talk to me about Basilisk 2, right? Oh, yes. The one about... Uh, well, first of all, it's uh, it's by Colin Bunn, uh, Jonas Sharp, and Alex Guiamaris. 
and oh, it should be in the back. Lettering. This book just had so many fucking ads. Um, and lettering by Ed Dukeshire. So the one about the weird ragtag team about killer serial killer people with powers. Mm-hmm. Only if you were paying attention in the first in the first episode, in the first issue, it had to do with senses. And that's what it was. And now we get the name. I think it was mentioned before, but now it's for sure. They're basically as a unit, they're called the Chimera. And I thought that was really fucking cool. And yeah. you get to <laughs> where we last where we last left off is uh the the main protagonist who's just like out on the set for revenge to kill this chimera because they, they fucked up her life and to one, to one degree, to some degree. Um, but she pretty much like has the one that has to do with sights as a prisoner only like really, she can just like unmask and just like Gorgon flash her to just like die really. Uh, but she's almost like playing along with her anyway. And so almost like she's trying to get why, why the, this other one just hell bent on getting revenge for us, you know? cut to you get to uh, meet a little bit more of two of the other members of the chimera the the one that looked like a little girl and then the 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 wolverine looking one like like the, the greaser looking one i'm pretty sure they are uh scent and taste because this the scene just plays out in a diner and they're meeting up with somebody who knows who they are the first thing he says like yo maybe you shouldn't be in public um because just it just ends bad and so pretty much like they just want to get information from him be like we're on the trail. We're on the trail for Reagan, the the one who works with her site. Like we're on the trail for her. We know where she's at, but we're just and like they, they almost like know that they're gonna be ambushed by this other by this other woman that's trying to get their her revenge too. But yeah. they're just so powerful that they just don't care. They're just gonna get their friend back, who is they also now see as betraying them. And then it just cuts to before they leave. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. You said there was not there wasn't supposed to be any witnesses, and then just like scent and smell just take over everybody in the diner and they just start killing themselves over each other and it's just, it oh just God. it's fucking crazy and then and they just make their exit and then because and then just almost like finishing off it's almost just like just moving some pieces around um i guess reagan needed just a pit stop to just uh do her thing only in the bathroom in the restroom uh in the mirror she's talking to one of the other camera members the one that's kind of controlling the bird and I'm pretty sure right. he's, the one, he's the one for yeah. I'm pretty sure he's uh for for hearing because right. he can just because he's blind and he I guess that's the way he talks. So he's talking through to Reagan, to Reagan through the mirror and almost like planning out their shit. And they're not really saying like you know like a planning to get rid of homegirl that's trying to kill all of us. It's just more like yo, what's your next step? How do we do this? Um, and in this case, last member of the Chimera. Um, that being said, windling windling them down. I think she would be touch. Um, she almost knows, or she does know that uh, uh, hearing dude was talking to Reagan just because I guess like she, he, they had a soft spot for each other, and then it's and then it's alluded to why Reagan chose to leave the Chimera, and it cuts to like a, a town that they just completely just like obliterated and just killed everybody in there, and in this case Reagan does have a conscience and she just. And I guess like where all the power started manifesting or once they were able to get out, she's realizing um, in this flashback that people who see just by the sight of her, or at least as long as she's locking back eyes with them, they're just dropping and she just has no control over it. And I guess that explains why she's always has like that drape just covering her half of her face just because it's just on all the, all the time. And yeah, it just cuts ha- halfway into like the flashback of just like this traumatizing moment. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much Basilisk too. And it's just like, 
it's gonna be a mini but it's just like i just i, I like these characters I'll be frankly honest with you. I mm. forgot what this book was and forgot yeah. how much I really enjoyed issue one. So I was like, oh, I don't think I picked up that one. I think that's a host way book and skipped <laughs> it. And as soon as you started talking, about it, I was like, oh, man, it was that one. I liked that one. So yeah, I, 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 thought you pick, I thought you had this one, too, because we li- we liked the greaser guy as, as it was coming back to me. Yeah. But definitely look out for it because it's one we should be reading. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to pick it up this weekend. So cool. cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. And we got two shared boom books. Uh, the first one is Magic the Gathering number four. Josue. Oh, I had to too. I had Planes to. Walker. <laughs> Thank God you posted it because I needed that corner to really look out. I was. Yeah. It was between two. I couldn't tell what corner it was until. But then I had to look at your picture again. And it's like this corner just like gave me the answer. And I wanted Nicol Bolas just to go next to Liliana. Yeah. That's Nicol so Bolas dope. is the one who gave Liliana the veil for her powers. And it's like these two just need to go together. <laughs> So written by Jed McKay, illustrated by Iguara, colored by Ariana Consoni, and lettered by Ed Dukeshire. Um, so we were left off on a, a bit of a cliffhanger last time mm-hmm. uh, in regards to the destruction of the Demir, House Demir. Blasphemy. And uh, Josue is a big fan of House Demir. So <laughs> um, I really like this issue, but my first thought was, Josue is going to love this issue because Half of it's just about House Demir and what they're about. And I love the take of it. The yes. whole they deal in secrets. They they serve a necessary purpose. You know, I really thought that was awesome. Like just a really cool way to do it. So uh what do you think? I want to get to you about this specifically. Well, I mean, it just almost showcased my homeboy, my commander, Lazav. <laughs> his line to be like when he was like so you can imagine my frustration when i need everybody to fucking believe me <laughs> i was like ah oh, damn it and just like poor dude <laughs> i mean yeah. he deserves it right now but right now it's just like it's true it's just like fuck it was just it's such a cool turn of events i love that we get the the engineer dude we get a little peek of his uh mm-hmm. sexuality and it's like sexual oh, proclivities little, little little cutie there Oh, this whole scene, the whole dreamscape scene, the whole Lazav scene, just like to meet up with them, which is really fucking cool. And then now we're seeing like all the political aspects, but like going in these two next two characters in order, it's bugging me that Niv Mazette is just like being an idiot right now. The the big dragon, because he's yeah. like the big, he's a big dragon that's now like being the the mediator to like all of the guilds. And the whole thing that just happened in the War of the Spark was because Nicol Bolas had this whole scheme almost planned out to perfection and then the whole thing was that niv mazette came back and in this new form and took him down so it's kind of like dude you should be seeing through bullshit right now like why are you being an idiot um and then cut to the the next character uh the angel i love that we're getting some boros because boros are basically just fucking a cab <laughs> and they're just like they're just strong they're just boros is just such a strong fucking gale that i hate fighting those decks they're just so quick um but they're just so cool out there. They're run by by the angels who are just like such great cards too. Super dope issue. I just very much like this issue is so worth it. Like for like all the last three. I mean, not that they were not that they were bad, but mm-hmm. all that accumulating accumulating just to this one was just so has been so fucking cool. Just like just because yeah. like you know like the the games or like the lore, the characters. It's just it's just fun. As someone who's not as deep into Ravnica lore as I am the older Magic lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say this has made me way more interested, specifically in our three main plane, planeswalkers. 
I'm sending like, you the I, trailer to that last of, or not last event, but it was like the last big main event, War of the Spark. There's mm-hmm. a, <laughs> um, it plays to like a, a cover to in the end, but it's it just it's, it's played it played out so beautifully, <laughs> and it, the the story in, in the game is Lil, it's basically showing Liliana's regret towards Nicol Bolas, and and it's one of those like sweet trailers that play in reverse, mm-hmm. so you get like the the cut ending, beginning, and the end. It's awesome. I'll, I'm sending. I send it yes. right now. I'll watch yeah, that after. <laughs> so. But yeah, as as someone who's not been a fan of this lore, I am interested in it now. So this comic's probably done its job to sell some some sell some magic cards. So oh for sure. Um, all right, my next uh my next pickup on Boom is one of our favorites, Wind Eight. Wind. So I got this cover. Ooh. Oh, he looks so cool. I know Thorn. Yeah. Yeah. But I also splurge. <laughs> And got this virgin cover. cover, yeah, nice. So it was ten, so <laughs> yeah. But but I have faith in win. <laughs> uh, so quickly written by James Tinney in the fourth, illustrated by Michael. I always forget James Tinney writes this, dude. Yeah, it's like the pa- it's like his palate cleanser. It's so good. <laughs> illustrated by Michael Dialenius, uh, letter by Ann World. Um, I think you said it best in your tweet about this one. We get a bunch of lore. Yeah, it's definitely a lore expansion. It's it's really yeah. good. Yeah, about the the fairy and the vampires and why they're opposed and what happened and everything. And we also kind of get a better idea of what the how the humans are viewed in the greater world because mm-hmm. the original story was told from a human point of view. You know, oh, so yeah. to the humans, they're going to be the center of the universe. But then, literally in this word, they're we're told like humans weren't even around then. They don't matter basically. So I thought that was pretty cool. So also, we get a bit of a tease as to what wind might actually be. Like he might be something special. I thought that was pretty great. Uh, overall, a great issue. Um, and I'm starting, starting to feel a little bit of maybe that Oakley and the prince's cousin might have a thing. Oh my maybe. god! If, if that imagine if Oakley is, became queen, dude. If Oakley became queen because she fucking is queen, like that'd be so sick. I just wanted to get over the cousin not being an asshole because it yeah. was just like he just had played like his introduction was just so weird on like is he overly playing the good guy but no he really is a fucking good guy at least like hopefully he doesn't play us or doesn't play me uh because i would fucking love that shit because now it's like i love that the the, the prince isn't <laughs> the prince isn't such a fucking bigot as we thought he was he's <laughs> he's just a little close-minded he just he's just a little arrogant but he's not as close-minded yeah. as we thought <laughs> he was much better in this issue oh yes oh for sure yeah and him and the him and the prince seem to get along a little bit better in this mm-hmm. issue too. So, even though the prince is so over the top princey, I love it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, great great book. It's continuing to be one of the best like all ages books out there. So. Oh, absolutely! And I love her carrying him around. Oh, that's so cruel, and so weird sick. And but it's, it's so perfect for them. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I really don't want to spoil it for the listeners, but it's a great yeah. moment. Everybody should be reading Wind. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's switch up. Let's switch gears, actually, and talk about Aftershock Comics. We got two books. Josue, I want you to start with Out of Body 2. Yes, Out of Body. This one's by Peter Milligan. Uh, actually, let me just, because like, the credits are like in a circle, and I don't know if it is a who's who. <laughs> You're like, turn it in. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I might, I, might, I might not go in the right order. I might go counterclockwise. Credits are always in the back. Peter Milligan is a writer. Uh, Inaki Miranda as the artist, Eva de la Cruz as the colorist, and Sal Cipriano as the letter. So, people who can actually, people who have like the power to 
astral project themselves, have out-of-body experiences. And in this case, where we le- left off is that our protagonist got le- got jumped in the, in the back of the alley, got left, I guess left for dead, but at least like he got rescued in time, and now he's in a coma, and his spirit is stuck in an astral projection and out of body, and only for where he's at, it's more like he did venture and followed the rest of the floaty people around, and now they're just walking towards the light. Two different uh, plays that are happening right now is that the bad guys, um, basically, uh, the henchman of the main bad guy gets in a weird scuba suit full of a bunch of uh, different spells so that he can get into that astral for, uh, astral plane and get the the guy who's stuck um, in, in his out-of-body experience just because he, he still attained to his life force on his body. And the reason why he's searching for, for him is because he's working for, like I said, the main bad guy who is at this point it has to be fucking dorian uh gray because they it, there is a portrait reference that got fucked up a long time ago hence why he's all decayed like like looking and maybe that's why he's looking for life forms now so he can just retain that youth good guy side is um a cute a cute psychic who uh runs a very cheap uh psychic business and in this case but in this case she knows that this shit's like actually like real and not trying to scam some people for just like a dead relative uh she helps out this guy and just is able to hoodwink the 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 scuba the the scuba uh suit dude and just get him back um only at least like at least like away from him and along the process they're able to learn now i guess like the next step is almost body possession because like she takes him back to like where his body's at in the hospital and it's safe he's able to see some relatives at least like they're kind of taking care of him and then this sick, sick case that his night nurse is, um, she's not well. Uh, here it is. Uh, paraphilia is, is what she, is what she's at, is where she's at. And she catches her there and for a second just possesses her to almost like incept, be like, hey, this is wrong. And just like spooks her to get off of him and leave and hopefully never do it again. And then he's able to blink open, and but he's still kind of stuck in that, in um, I guess in an atrophy. Right? He's like he's still like just in this coma state. And then we get uh, cliffhanger is that because this is America and insurance and the insurance doesn't want to cover it. The hospital just wants to pull the plug, not move him anywhere else, not move him out, just pull the plug because like yeah, that's the course. logical sense. Yay, USA. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I guess like we're getting lessons in uh, in ghost adventures in this one for now. Uh, but yeah, I'm out of body too. Nice. I have an aftershock book. Cool. I have Clans of Bellari. Okay. Um. So written by Peter and Rob Blackie. Oh, by the way, credit page. We always oh like God. our aftershock credit Look pages. This purple. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> no, I just so, I yeah. love opening these books. <laughs> They're great. Yeah. Uh, written by Peter and Rob Blackie, drawn by Daniel Main, uh, colored by Carlos Lopez, and lettered by Taylor Esposito. Okay, so Josue, it opens up with this shot of the Milky Way oh, Galaxy. Yeah. And it says, the primary laws of the Bellari system. Mm-hmm. Number one, no person or clan may exit the system. Okay. Number two, no person or clan may do the designated work of another clan. Okay. Number three, clans may not merge. 
Interesting. Okay. Number four, any person that breaks a primary law shall be made an outcast. Whew. Okay. Yep. That sets it up, basically. Yeah. So we open up with a guy piloting a spaceship. You find out that he has a bunch of what looks to be refugees in the hold. Um, they get into basically a space storm and they crash and the main pilot dude or the co-pilot, you see him die like right away. Um, the main pilot dude is able to get out and the only survivor of the crash besides him is this young girl. She's the only one in the hold that survives. Cute, yeah. And so basically he's just like, Hey, who are you? And they're talking and she's only four years old. He's 53 and he's just like, hey, we had a crash. And someone, uh, the radio uh, person's like, what about your cargo? Any survivors? And then he looks back and he says, no, it's just me. Hmm. And then you, he's basically, his inner monologue is like, it's better for you this way. It's better for you this way, kid. Your people will take care of you. He's like, you come from a different world and a different life than I do. So he's like, oh, I'm going to go get them. Um basically wait here and she's like i don't want to and he's just like just stay so basically like she is she's an outcast in this society oh okay already yeah. so she's basically slave cast is what it mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and there's a this where they crash there is a society of, of outcasts so he's like they'll take her in it's better than where she was going because she was basically being shipped off to be work a worker basically yeah. And then when the guy comes to pick her up, they're on the ship, they're taking off, and he's just like, uh, yeah, it's crazy, no one else survived. And the guy's like, yeah, thanks for picking me up, this is outcast territory, the place must be crawling with them. He's like, no, we killed them all. So he realized he just abandoned this girl on the planet by herself. So he basically makes the guy turn the ship around. Long story short, he bribes a guy ten things of gold to pretend this is his daughter, even though she's black and he's white. Oh, shit, um, okay. So he basically adopts her and then we get an eight year time cut. And so she's 12 years old. She's really smart and stuff. And basically she goes on adventures with him. We get more ideas of what's going on. Um, basically the different guilds and what they do. So there's like an agriculture guild. There's, there's all these different guilds. And basically you can only do the work of your guild to the point that she runs into this old lady who is like, Hey, help me feed these birds. So they get out some corn and they literally just take some corn bits off and it's just like throws them to the birds. And yeah. the idea is like, they keep the bugs off the corn, so I'll give them corn to keep them around, basically. And an officer sees that and threatens to arrest her for doing that work, for doing farm work, even though uh, it's not a place. Even yeah. though it's just like, hey, help me feed these. Like, it's just that little. And as she flies away, she sees the officer still talking to the old lady that did it. So she probably got her in trouble just by doing that. So it's a really strict thing. And it's about her being outraged of the, you know, what exactly is going on here? Why is society like this? It's just really, really interesting. And it's got some really cool action. Like, so. Yeah, that's not what I was expecting. (laughs) It's a really cool, like, sci-fi book. I really dig it. And lots of, like, this almost looks like a, like a tabletop book. You know what I mean? Like, with the rules and stuff. Yeah, so I really liked I mean, this. I was I was I, really surprised. I, I like but, that it's set, it's I like that it's setting up where like at this point the pl- the play field is the whole galaxy, so you can go from place to place. So I'm excited where I'm I'm excited to hear where this story can go. Yeah, definitely. I I really liked it. Uh, definitely wanted to pick up on trade if you see it. So mm-hmm. next up, uh, 
Dark Horse Comics. And we're going to stick with Host Sway for yes. Jenny Zero, number three. Jenny Zero, number three. This was fun. Uh, written by Dave Duanch and uh, Brockton McKinney. Illustrated by Magenta King. Uh, color art by Dam. Letters by Dave Duanch. So, the prodigy child, prodigal child that didn't get her kaiju powers when everybody thought. Except now they've manifested and she's supposed to be working because she was working for the the organization that was running the kaiju uh, superhero team mm-hmm. and yeah so she's been on the run and now that organization is looking is looking for her because like yo we fucking need her because there's like a big bad coming and her thing is that now that her powers have manifested she's on uh, she's searching for her mentor i guess like when her dad passed away in that epic battle she just there was like a moment where she was like super drunk in front of his uh, in front of his uh uh, tombstone is grave and just like just saying her truths along comes a little asian lady who is just like super quick and very quippy and just like telling her telling her jenny zero what's what and she's like yo whenever you want to kind of like lay more lay off the booze more i'm not saying like just sober up um here hit me up and just gives her some coordinates and now it's like oh shit just she has hit the fan let me i think i remember this lady uh and yeah she basically does her Bruce Wayne journey up some cold ass mountains to some middle of nowhere place. And sure enough, there's somebody waiting for her there. This like cute old lady with her tea. That is not really tea. <laughs> uh, her first lesson is do like, do the whole, uh, remove this cup from my hand. And just like, as soon as she goes for it, she just like literally like, like the old lady just palms Jenny in the chest and just like knocks her all the way back and just be like, yeah, I'm not going to take it easy on you either. Also, <laughs> it's the booze that's making you slow. And she's like, what? I got to quit. It's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Like, you really think this is just regular tea in this cup? It's like, lady, I fucking like you. So this whole, this whole issue is just like her was like learning the ropes, but the time is clicking. The time is sticking. And also she, she, it's not just like her by herself. She does run her own like monk, like Academy. Everybody's just like it. Everybody's just in on it. And she's like, oh shit. And the whole time that we get that first montage is because like she literally wasn't ready for this whole other side of her her studies. But like I said, the organization is literally like right on her ass. Uh, the ASP. And they're literally knocking on her door. And when she, the lady's just like, you know what? No, monks have at this dude who's just like this pink haired, like buff dude who's just just an asshole. Um, <laughs> but they're literally like, but they're also showing up with tanks. And then sure enough, like just Jenny shows like Jenny like like sneaks into the old lady's uh uh room because I guess she was looking for more booze when she finds a familiar suitcase and it's her fucking outfit. So that's like her like revealing herself. And she looks pretty cool. But uh and then now she's like ready for fucking action and she's gonna take this whole thing down. And then I get to be concluded. And it's like, oh shit. I guess this mini was a lot more minier than I thought. I thought really I was expecting a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, at least like now she got her shit together. And just I guess I'm ex- I'm expecting a just epic last issue. Nice. So there's only one left. Friends. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Cool. All right. Uh, next up, I got two dark horse books. Uh, first one is Beasts of Burden number four, Occupied Territory. Uh, you might remember this one as the other dog book that we've been reading. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, about the talking dogs in um, some Asian country. I don't think they specify. Probably Korea. Um, 
but or it might be Japan actually. And basically, the tiny little dog Mullins got bit by the zombies last game or last round, and so the idea is he's going to be turned into a zombie, and he's weak, but he's trying to help fight and stuff. Um, we get a lot more of the really cool like uh, character or like the mythological figures, like the Oni comes back. And they find basically they find the headless body of an oni. Oh shit! And they're oh, just yeah. like, because remember these are head zombies where the zo- mm-hmm. the head comes off, and they're like, wait, I thought this could only infect humans. They're like, wait, that's a headless oni, and then like, this oni head zombie pops out. It's all awesome. that's awesome. Actually, <laughs> they have to fight it and stuff, and they end up they end up defeating it, but it takes all their spells basically. And they find out that the big bad guy is this spider goddess. And she basically was resting, and then during the war that was going on, was injured by the American bombs that were dropped. And she's outraged, so she put the curse on the humans. Well, then they're like, hey, it's starting to affect like other things. It's affecting the animals and the oni and stuff. And then she's like, hmm. Like, she's like, well, that wasn't my plan, basically. She's, she's, like, she's like, this will require further consideration. She's like, I will hibernate and I'll write a decision upon awakening three centuries from now, give or take a year. And they're like, uh, that's a little too long. And she's like, in the meantime, I'll withdraw this, the curse. And they're like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> so, so Mullins gets healed and everything's okay. And they, they're they basically like, wow, this all worked out pretty well and stuff. And then remember the, the creepy geisha ladies? Mm-hmm. They show back up afterwards. Ah, oh, Nice. And they're like, you bastards, basically. And they tie up all the dogs except Mullins, the tiny little cute one. And he keeps running at them and they just keep hitting them with a stick over and over. And then that's when all the magical creatures of the forest show up. The the the, the Katsunis oh, and all yeah. of them show up. And they're basically like, let us have a word with these. Because they're also part of the magical creatures. So mm-hmm. they basically shut them down. And then in the end, everything's cool. And they basically talk about what happened next. And they're like, what happened to Mullins? And it's like, oh, he's fine, <laughs> basically. Because <laughs> everybody was really worried that Mullins died, basically. And they're like, no, we want to make sure you understand. No dogs died in this series. <laughs> so, <laughs> I liked it. I liked it a lot. They did tease there's going to be another issue, though, or another series. Because mm. they're basically like, oh, great. We're going to have stories all night. And then like a bulldog is like, do you want me to tell the next one? It's just like, yeah, you go ahead. So uh, they might you know, do more stories. I liked it. It's a lot of fun. So it's like D and D with dogs, basically. I like that. D and D and D, dogs and D and D. So um, next up, Hellboy and the BPRD number one, the secret cool. of Chesbro House. Uh, this is only going to be one of two. Um, written by Mike Mignola and Christopher Golden, art by Sean McManus, color by Dave Stewart, and letter by Clem Robbins. Um, it's always interesting when somebody other than Mike Mignola draws Hellboy. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, he, it, it's, yeah. it's always like the unique take people put on it. I like this. It's, it's similar enough, but also dissimilar enough that it looks good. You know what I mean? Like it's not someone trying to copy his style, which is cool. Uh, but it's still Hellboy style. And basically this is about a haunted house. This guy just inherited the house. Um, he doesn't think it's actually haunted. He thinks his mom is crazy, but his mother's will stipulates that the house cannot be sold unless the curse is removed. So he's like, I get Hellboy and this witch lady to come in and basically prove it's not, and then I can sell the house. Well, it is. It is very much haunted. And so uh, being this is one of two, basically they get the reveal of the the monster. Um, 
his grandfather or great grandfather somewhere back there had a daughter that he kept locked up in the house and no one ever saw her. Then they said she disappeared. And so they're like, Oh, okay. And so she's like, please help. And so at the end, at the end, they find her ghost. She's like, please help. And he's like, we'll help you however we can. Mm. And she's like, turns evil. She's like, that's adorable. Really? Who's going to help you? (laughs) So she's the bad guy. Yep. Pretty good. I mean, it's Hellboy. I just love Hellboy. So, all right. Switching up. Let's go to Bad Idea for one book. Sleigh Bells. It's a one shot. (laughs) Uh, It's called Sleigh Bells. Yes, it is a Christmas book. Only it's spelled S-L-A-Y. Sleigh Bells. This was written by the very wonderful, the Hellions best, Zeb Wells. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, art uncovered by Dave La- David Lafuente, colors by Ulysses Arreola, and letters by Simon Boland. And there's like a and there's like a, a short story in the end by Elliot Rah- Elliot Rahal, art by Adam Polina, and then Ulysses Arreola for the color art again, and Dave Sharp for the letters. So Christmas came early this year through bad idea, and boy was it fucked up. <laughs> Uh, in this case, it's, we, we focus on a family and it's Christmas time. So of course, uh, this, a good old red, white, and blue American family goes on a hunting trip and it's the son's first time going hunting. And they notice after, uh, after all day of just wasting their time, uh, murdering innocent animals, I mean, avoiding, cause like they didn't get anything, but just waste, again, like, so that's why I said wasting their time. On the way back to the car, they notice something over the ridge, and they're like, "Oh shit, dude! Like, let's get this one." And even the sun calls it out, but it's on a ridge. You're not supposed to shoot at them when they're on a ridge. No telling where the bullet could. And the dad's like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever. There's nothing here for miles. Do it, Fa- father-son bonding time, right?" <laughs> so he shoots, and it literally spooks the little, the little living hell out of these reindeer that start charging at them at full speed. And their only answer is to just run back into the woods. And these deers are no pushovers. (laughs) They literally just still keep running at full speed into the trees, murdering themselves brutally just at just at all at the impact. And it leaves the dad and the boy very much traumatized. And these were very much, and they noticed that there were reindeers attached to a sleigh that was hung, that was lifted superhuman styles by none other than Santa the Claus. <laughs> and sees the wreckage and is heartbroken and changes Bobby Hamilton's name from the nice list to the naughty list. Only he's nowhere to be found. And happy family, dad and, dad and son are back at home. Super fucking awkward around the mom, and they go back inside. Cut to Santa Santa Claus walking the streets trying to find Bobby when the cop shows up behind him and he's like, Hey buddy, you okay? And he's like, Oh shit, you're Josiah Jed McKnight, former member of the Cold Club. And he's like, Whoa, 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 buddy, how how the fuck do you know my name? And he's like, and he just starts going crazy. He's like, I'm because I'm Chris Kringle, I'm fucking Santa Claus. And the obviously doesn't help out with the cop and the cop's like, all right, buddy, you had too much to drink and just pepper sprays poor Santa Claus and just gut punches him and just leaves him there when 
Santa this whole time doesn't really know the rules of the laws, so he keeps reaching into his Santa bag, which is a big no-no for cops. Yeah. <laughs> And he comes, he reaches out and uh, pulls out a bat, a baseball bat. And he's like, oh, your son asked for this, right? And he's like, stop being a fucking creep, basically. And because he's been pepper sprayed, he just accidentally swings at superhuman force at the cop. Oh, my God. And it just kills him. So he's just like, oh, shit, I fucked up. <laughs> Cuts you back at the family. It's dinner time. And it's just like, again, very awkward. And now Santa Claus makes it to his first destination. And this is where it gets it's just, it's just it's so weird. <laughs> it gets so dumb. I guess Santa Claus has been leaving early every year because he's been having an affair with like the grumpy lady who just is always super, not cheerful, but just always sets up Christmas really pretty with the lights. But it's just mean to everybody. And now we know why. Because she only had her one love interest. And poor Santa Claus, I guess he was having, he starts having, he's, He's literally just like that, just wide-eyed the whole time he's with her, not focusing on her just affection. And he's just like talking to himself, being like, yeah, it's just bad at home. Like, this job fucking sucks, even though it's one time a year. But the elves are just driving me crazy. But the one thing, the one thing I always had for me was those reindeer. And and he just gets really fucking sad. <laughs> um and then the SWAT shows up. Literally just the her 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 house gets hella swatted. She doesn't make it. And he does not is not happy. <laughs> he get, he taps into his, his Santa Claus powers and just like overpowers all these cops and is now dead set to get fucking Bobby, the kid who started all of this. Literally crashes into his wall. The kid just screams for his parents and he's just like, You ruined Christmas, kid. You and for the rest of the mortal pigs. <laughs> it's so fucking crazy, dude. So the dad the dad pretty much shows up and uses his second amendment a second amendment rights and pulls up a giant rifle up in, up in Santa Claus. And the kid gets scared. He's like, Oh shit, dad, don't don't do it, don't shoot him. And this moment we get a flashback moment. Also also a very fu- fucked up one, especially because of the wording. But you see the dad as a little kid uh, discovering Santa Claus, leaving his first rifle all those years ago. Because he actually says, I gave you that gun, the gun that uh, the shot my babies. And it's like, yo, wait, you gave this boy, <laughs> this little, it's not even a flashback to a teenager. It's this oh, baby, baby boy. <laughs> you gave that kid this giant rifle, that one. <laughs> So the boy jumps, uh, his son jumps in the way. He's like, hey, don't do it. And accidentally pulls the trigger and just Santa Claus has a giant hole in his chest. And then, and in the end, he talks to himself and is like, Bobby, look at me. I thought this was for you, but it wasn't. It was for me. And he opens his hand and it's a piece of coal. (laughs) So I guess that's the end for Christmas for forever. And then the second, the second side story is just like, it's just a fucked up tale on this driver that got, that pretty much just got, he got sent to hell because he called he called the number two hell, but then he, he could have had a chance to redeem himself through this uh through this uh, stick up at this convenience store. But then in the end, he chose a selfish route, and then of course hell came calling. It's and that's the one by um, Elliot Rahal. But yeah, that was sleigh bells, and it's just like I'm glad we got a little taste of Christmas in July because it was ridiculously dumb. <laughs> was that one of the final five? Uh, this one, no. This is the this one's still part of like the first wave. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right, let's move on to image. Man, do we have a stack of image for you? <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, we each have some solos, so I'll start. Commanders in Crisis number ten. Ooh, okay. Let's put, let's 
it's better and better. Um, there was no sexy gay cover this time. Uh, no, I wish. Okay. So in this issue, Prize Fighter just got his ass handed to him, basically. Because as we know, Prize Fighter is only as powerful as the crowd thinks he is. Oh, and, and she, oh yeah, that's right. That's so cool. <laughs> and the world basically is in chaos. No one's paying attention. No one thinks good exists anymore. So no one's cheering for Prize Fighter. So he um <coughs> he starts off like this, basically. He's oh, just okay. down. And the rest of the team ends up fighting these basically it's basically the female furies from uh from Apocalypse and DC. Um and they're fighting them and they're trying to stop them and stuff. And a news reporter is on scene and they're filming it and they show Prize Fighter down. And like, it's Prize Fighter, he's down. I'm sorry, I didn't think this could happen to him. Hey, if you're listening, if you're watching, the Crisis Command is still out there. There may not, er, there may not seem to be time to care, but I'm asking you to listen or tune in because it's the right thing to do. I'm watching you watch because there isn't, or I'm asking you to watch because there isn't much time left. And then you see somebody tweet a picture of Prize Fighter down with hashtag Prize Fighter. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, you see his hand crawl up, do the crawl up out of the whole thing. Yeah. And the big bad chick is about to kill the, um, the one of the other girls. And she goes, wait, weren't you fucking dead? And <laughs> get this fucking shot. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And this quote is dead. I'm trending. <laughs> <laughs> oh, motherfucker. It's such a dumb joke. <laughs> and I love it so much. And then he whips all their ass. And then he says, who else wants to fuck with my people? <laughs> like, wow. Oh my god, love, okay, that's good. I love prize fighters so much. Um, so and basically like while they're doing that, their actual leader is is trying to like solve the issue with the main bad guy. And it's gonna come down to a fist fight. So we get this really cool last shot of her because their nice. technology can't work against her. So she's like, Alright, let's fucking do this. So nice. I love this book. I think there's only two issues left, but it's so good. Um of course, written by Steve Orlando, drawn by Dave, David Tinto, colored by Francesca Caratanuto, and lettered by Fabio Emilia. My other solo book is Ordinary Gods. Ooh, nice. Um, this is another one I'm pretty sure you would have picked up if you were I would have gone for sure. Comics. Yeah. Written by Kyle Higgins, mm-hmm. arts by Felipe Watanabe, uh, colorist is Frank William, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. Okay, so... Um, I'm going to be flat out honest. I wrote something very similar to this a couple years ago, and it really bothers me. <laughs> like, like I, I came up with an idea. It's not super similar, but a similar thing. Yeah. Uh, so basically, um, the idea is there's these forces out there that are super powerful and take control of mortals, take possession of their powers. Um, and they're referred to as gods. And um, it's like strength and sorrow and, you know, the luminary is the leader of all of them, basically. And they keep killing each other, but then they get reborn. And so they just keep killing each other is the idea. And we don't get really like a full idea of exactly what happens. Meanwhile, we're following um, we're following this young man. Um, there's a shot of him, I guess. He seems to be the main character, and he's eating dinner with his family, his mom, dad, little sister. Typical little, like, you know, little sister, brother stuff. Um, and then 
Oh yeah, and here's the um the immortals, the ones that got the luminary, the prodigy, the brute, the trickster, the innovator. And basically um something happens to control these gods, right? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, this dude's taking his little sister to go buy a book. It's kind of implied to be a Harry Potter book, but it's called Billy Marvelous. Okay. And um, yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, this and and you find out there's a group of people that believe in these gods that that they exist out there and that they're in people. So it's not a hidden secret; it's something out there, but it's considered like a crazy cult thing, right? Yeah. And um. He's sitting at the dinner table and he's just like, blah, blah, blah. And his little sister gives him a look. And then she just reaches over and just stabs him in the chest. Oh, shit. Then she proceeds to stab her father up up underneath the chin. What the fuck? And stab the mother, too. So the little sister's basically killing the whole family. And uh, you find out that basically something's going on. Something took control of her. And um, what's going on is he has the luminary in him. He didn't know it. It's the leader, right? Mm -hmm. So he's really important. He can actually, it's kind of like Wiktiv. Ooh, okay. Like in that there's all these people with these, you know, that are supernatural out there and are found and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, but the key to it is, is if you look at the cover, this wraparound cover. Yeah. Some historical like, figures. Yeah. So did these people all have them? Oh, okay. You know what I mean? That's what I wrote that was very similar to this. In, in <laughs> their rise the, of power. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I really, really dug this. Uh, I love the Abe Lincoln. I think he looks great. <laughs> yeah. No, it, was. it took me a second because the, the goatee was kind of cut off. But I, yeah, he does look good. But, but yeah, it's really, really cool. And uh, I'm curious to see where it's going to go and how... how um, across time it's going to be how much we're going to see in the past and stuff so really cool i enjoyed it uh hostway talked to me about the good asian three the good asian three that's right this this also was credited all the way in the back uh uh alexandre tefengi lee luthridge and jeff powell writer artist colors letters respectively i realized i wasn't seeing them (laughs) so in number issue number three we're following Edison Hark, the first ever Chinese American, Hawaiian. So even then, they weren't even barely considering him American. But yeah, hmm. America's first Chinese American detective, and his first assignment that, or at least like his next assignment that he was tasked with, was going back to San Francisco and finding the missing woman his surrogate millionaire father loves. Her name being Ivy Chen. And he's slowly been discovering that she might not be the saint that that everybody believed she was as like the housekeeper that probably got taken advantage of, which she probably was. But then she might have something to do with just maybe she disappeared right now as soon as uh, he dropped into a coma. So he's trying to figure it out. And it really just and it really sucks for Edison because he really has to like tiptoe the line of like being a good cop and then trying to be there for his people and then a lot of the times his people have to lose um, and a lot of times by his hand just so he some for his for his justification so he can get that much closer to the case but again at the expense of a lot of asian people that are just trying to survive here and already have a shit hand being dealt with like the way we open 
with like honestly started starting from like how shit it was for how shitty it was for them all the way from like 1870s and throughout the throughout the years and how after a while they had their own good little piece in san francisco but then again this was a long time ago and then a really big shitty earthquake happened so a lot of people lost their homes including this demographic this demographic of people and of course others got priority getting dibs land back of course yeah but in the and then but they also talk about but in this case because buildings were destroyed and in this case also the paperwork documenting uh their status so this is where a lot of people like fake their documentation to be able to come through being saying like hey i was a relative or i'm that person but it happened in the earthquake so a lot of people were able to squeeze in squeeze by and then that's so creating these uh fake families until families were starting to be created and thus so after a while the the first american chinese american oriental started being born so that started happening and we start focusing on this character which is uh lucy uh i guess a, a friend to edison hark and we kind of kind of see see it through her perspective she kind of gets like a little bit in on on the case that edison is working on um she works as like in back then because they had to she works in one of those uh operating stations where they just like plug one thing to the next to just and then the whole time but at the same time they're also like we're like the first nsa and just also listening on conversations just in case they were saying some stuff that weren't weren't supposed to be said but in this case like she's still maybe figuring out maybe hearing about some rumors that are happening i guess like the hatch man the hatchet man that came into play last issue so as in hark meets up with her and kind of says like hey i kind of need your help with this and the whole time she does like she does kind of like help her help him out to get in into some places or to meet up with people so he can ask these specific questions where like these people aren't going to talk to cops um and again it, everything starts coming back to the hatchet man and this this uh to ivy and this other lady um i'll try to get her, her name but she's also part of like uh this this underground club but there's information uh being let out now that the hatchet man is related to her like or even maybe to to ivy and in this case, because through the help of Lucy, Edison gets find this uh, this envelope full of money and an old uh, film, uh, photo film, mm-hmm. and it's like cool. I guess evidence for something later. And then this is where this is where it sucks because this this, uh, this one dude wants to jump Edison for just because mm-hmm. it was Edison's fault that this dude's dad got taken away. It was literally at his expense. And this dude fucking witnessed it and knows it. And Edison's like, you want to like, fuck you, dude. Like you, you want to come at me, do it. I'll give you a free, free shot. And it, it off balances the dude. He's like, uh, all right, bro, fuck you, dude. I'll, we'll do it. And then Edison literally sucker punches him and doesn't let him get the free shot. <laughs> and it's just like, and Lucy's like, wait, but you said you give him a free. I'm not, the, I'm not that dumb. <laughs> it's like, fuck this. And, but she's like, but wait, but what he said was it true? And she, and he goes, "Yeah, my job's my job." And then now at her, and now she realizes that she was being used by him just to get that much closer to the case. Which again, it is to help out, but it's just like at what fucking cost? And again, this is like yeah. the the nineteen late twenties, thirties. So it's kind of like this dude is also playing the the hand he's been dealt. So it's kind of like it's fucking hard, and it's like it's it's just really cool. Just like getting this like story where it's just like we're having a bunch of similar issues now, like happening nowadays where it's just like, when, when will we ever fucking learn? But it's just like, we get this cool, like a noir story and like in the background about, about the past, almost like mirrors today. 
Um, and yeah, and then Cliffhanger is about this revelation about this other dude who's kind of been helping running the city, but then it's like this again, the film that the that he that he found uh, for evidence and went to go develop. Yeah, there's uh, something that was kind of read upon way back. Oh when. wow, yeah, no yeah. This is the guy that that's um, supposed to be helping out the city, so it's kind of like. And so it's an envelope full of money. So it's kind of like how how does it all connect? So it's kind of like, oof, we'll see. But yeah, the good Asian. It's a good little pulpy noir. Nice. Let's go to Inkblot Ten. Yes. So Inkblot Ten, this fucking cat. This one by uh, Emma Kubert and uh, drawn by Rusty Glad. Drawn in art by Rusty Glad. <laughs> so this fucking cat. Because it was giant explosions over drama and bullshit based on like the the wizard sisters and like that giant family, the cat said, deuces, I'm going into my own void and popping out on the other end. And in this story, though, uh, we do get to touch back. It's it's not just like some random new adventure. We do get to touch back on old characters. Um, I wish I could say like which which exact which which issue because this cat literally goes everywhere it wants to go. But it's definitely a character I've seen before, um, and now because and she also recognizes like recognizes him or it, <laughs> and he's like, oh shit, well, what kind of what kind of havoc are you gonna wreak now, you know? And it's like, but she follows him into a forest, and in the forest, there's also another character that we were seeing before, and this this he's he's just his own wizard really, uh, mm-hmm. but they bump into each other, and now it's like, it's cool that we're getting maybe all those all the stories or all the characters are really coming more into play together and instead of just being a bunch of different pieces we start seeing the bigger picture maybe connecting now even though there's still a bunch of empty gaps but i i like that we're kind of like hopefully everybody ends up meeting each other and this cat just in all of its chaos is like doing some good here and just like but nobody can understand it um but what is what is cool though is like the the girl like the elf that uh, is following the the cat around this time around she learns magic from him from it only by well the cat brings a stick and she figures out it's a wand and the only thing she has to go off of learning spells is by just saying what the cat says by Mm. going meow 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 (laughs) meow meow. (laughs) and literally it triggers the one into activating spells um so yeah wizard like alchemist dude is now like uh with elf i guess now um witch uh girl and they find the monster in the woods and they need to get the fuck out a very cool one i was not expecting this kind of style oh, yeah. or this kind of book already like i knew it was kind of like super like high fantasy but yeah. now to get like true like fantasy monsters like this like all right cool like this book is starting to push it and it's like in, in, in a good way and it's like all right cool i'm glad that you mean like 10 issues in now i'm like i'm still being surprised by it at first, it was just like yeah. very jokey, but now it's like seeing all the connections, seeing all the dots maybe forming. Um, it's it's literally pushing itself more for a better book. Awesome. Uh, and what about Skybound X? Skybound X, this anthology series, I guess, to come back and touch up on specifically just Skybound books, I assume, uh, because there's no way I, I figured it's like, oh, this is a good way to maybe get a little saga chapter no no this is gonna, this is gonna be focused on skybound's 10-year celebration and we're just gonna get a bunch of little stories to either new ones like ridiculous uh, other ridiculous dumb ones or some very sweet ones um that has been a long time coming so skybound x number one it has one two three yeah four stories i only read three 
because I'm honestly, as I, as I pick these up, I'm really going to read them just to touch back up on, on stories that either I miss uh, that I miss or I just, I want updates for. Um, right. So in this, in this case you get Rick Grimes, 2000 check. Cause I have read walking dead. and I'm interested over what this 2000 is. Right. Spoiler. It's stupid. <laughs> and then there's a, an ultra mega chapter. Uh, almost Wait, like is a, it written by Kirkman? Yes. Okay. Uh, at least it's drawn by Ryan Otley. <laughs> yeah. And then we get an, an ultra mega chapter, kind of like an origins tale. Uh, and this is the one I, I skipped because I don't read Manifest Destiny. So it's kind of like I, I really wouldn't understand anything that's going on or why it's so like special about it. So it was like, really, I'm like, I'll read it as I, as the ones I kind of pick and choose. And the last one being Clementine. Clementine lives from the Telltale Games from The Walking Dead. Clementine. Yeah. She makes her comic book debut. So, but. Going first to the first Walking Dead story, Rick Grimes, two thousand, right? Robert Kirkman and Ryan Ollie. And in this case, already off the bat, it's very, um, what is it? Superhero stories, yeah, like super superhero action comics type of thing. Yeah. And yes, the first page is literally the first three panels are is the Walking Dead story. Sheriff gets shot, wakes up to the apocalypse, and figures it out with the ragtag team. The dead were only the beginning. <laughs> and aliens show up. <laughs> oh, God. And it literally starts at the beginning of chapter two. And Rick Grimes, I guess, wakes up from his own coma again. But this time he has a metal arm that that retracts and gets like his weird space superhero suit. And it's all kinds of fucking mayhem, like <laughs> alien zombie mayhem outside. Everybody's dying left and right. But you do see some familiar faces, though. There's a uh, Tyrese, Axel, and even fucking bitch ass Martinez, like <laughs> Tyrese, Axel from the prison, and yeah. Martinez that was working for the governor. That was li- literally was like the had said, "Fuck the governor, I'm gonna go chill with you guys." But it was literally just a spy. Yeah, <laughs> and it does a great callback because it's like, because like, oh, and Martinez, awkward. It's all good, dude. I really was going back to get the governor and bring him to the prison, so you did the right thing. Although that all happened anyway, so you so you really didn't need to kill me. I have mixed feelings about the whole thing. So it does its own time travel paradox bullshit, but at least it's just dumb. Um, Michonne has a great page, like Ryan Otley does a great Michonne. Oh yeah, but it just does great. It just it just does callbacks to like how everything was up until the aliens showed up, and then because Robert Kirkman and this time around he's able to play with his characters kills her not only that the fucking oh. governor is alive and kills her so it's kind of like why would you do that there was oh, it was a whole funny. meaningful thing on why she fucked his ass up and now you're just turning around and then this is why i fucking sometimes dislike him then he makes Lori into like a leia sex slave kind of to the governor yeah. and it's like what are you doing here i'm just like this is so, such a dumb what if story but uh, but rick rhymes gets a lightsaber so i guess that's cool course, yeah. so i guess that that makes it cool um, and yeah, he's able to, um, chop off the governor's, uh, claw hand and right before he's going to kill him, I guess everybody who's been in Rick's circle is triggered to protect the governor at all costs. And Lori gets this ultra mega super dope arm gun. <laughs> and this is it. This is not done. This is going to be almost like a five issue mini based on the skybound X books. And I'm like, I bought it. I guess I'm here to stay until this shit's over with. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Kirkman. He's drunk fucking, on his own power, I tell you. He is. 
Um, so then the next one is the, it's an ultra mega story and it does paint some backstory on like the first fight. Cause like, in the first issue, it opens up with like the original three ultra megas and they all die and it kind of gets passed down to the next generation. It's kind of a little story on a fight from before that. And some, someone witnessing like ultra mega from up close and it gets really weird how like it's, it gets described like being in the presence of a, of an ultra mega, you know, he's describing like wheezing and choking for air each gasp uh but basically the way he describes like the giant gasp of air to be that small next to that just like oof. i mean it wanted to be gross like the smell but just like the force of it it's like oof. yeah and then just like to hear that roar out like what that sound would be oof, from yeah. like just giant lungs yeah ultra mega is just like i love how brutally gross it is <laughs> and then yes clementine's debut which was I'll say it right now. I just, I really, I really, really enjoyed it, and I'm glad that she's here to stay, or at least for, for an upcoming trilogy. She like she's gonna get her. How own, old like, is she? This is taking place um, after season four of the game. Okay. I stopped playing. I did play season two, and then I couldn't really like, and it took me a while to kind of, kind of catch up on those. I do want to now, and, and then it's only because something was alluded that she might not have made it out, but now we have confirmation that she lives. Um, so. And it's like nothing, nothing major happens. Like I guess like some stuff is spoiled. I won't show because like I mean unless you want to read it. Uh, but I guess like I do know some stuff that will eventually happen to Clementine, which is really sad. But she's still herself. She's still fucking like hella kick ass, and has able to adapt to this cruel zombie world. And she's on her own. And if you have played the games, the person, the the kid who she was taking care of, come like runs up to her, like catches up to her, and be like, "Yo, why are you leaving?" we found sanctuary we found a sanctuary which was the whole mission your mission of when i was a baby to get here so why are you leaving yeah and she's like yo like th- i mean yeah this whole mission was to get you safe but it's not and she but she admits that it's not for me like whatever's here is great it's perfect but she's still searching for whatever she's looking for um and i guess and he's able to be okay with it i mean there's there's a sad moment they cry about it but yeah he's able to let go um, which is cool, and then thus we get, I guess, the start of her journey, and we are going to get it's alluded to. It, it's going to it's starting up next year, twenty twenty two, Clementine book one, and it'll be a trilogy story. And it's just like I guess she's I guess she's going north. I guess she's going to Canada, uh, but basically we'll be following her around. And it, it was never meant. And then coming back to like why I was kind of like indifferent, um, it's because way back when when I guess it was still just mostly hype and wasn't really there to stay for like the pop culture. Uh, part of it all um robert kirkman had always said be like no clementine is her is has is her piece into the walking dead in the video games like she'll never cross over and, and onto the pages maybe like not for the main line she, I'm, I'm sure he he meant not for the main line uh yeah. but i kind of understood it like we're like walking dead is so big it can they can all have their own thing or it be in their own place so it's kind of yeah. like oh he's breaking his rule or he he's he breaking his vow what, what he said he wasn't going to do um but i guess like but again this one isn't written by him much so like the games maybe weren't written really by yeah. him it, they just needed i guess was there for consulting um so i guess like when this person um yeah, let me get the creative shout out uh when this person like uh, presented their pitch they were just like you know what that fucking works and it's uh tilly walden mm-hmm. um i'll show you some of the some of the, the it's I, I just i love I guess the reason why I was hesitant at first is because Walking Dead has come back in the in uh, onto pages only colorized, and I've had an issue with that because it was just 
it's meant to be yeah, black and white for a reason. Not, so just, yeah, it's meant to be black and white. Yeah. Yeah. So I just really love that this was a very good love letter to the yeah. series. And just, and just has and and that's the thing too for a Walking Dead book for and then to for Clementine to be like a bridge to a potential now new audience that were infants when the story when the, when Walking Dead started coming onto the screen is right. that um, this book it'll be uh, through the young adult middle grade graphic novel imprint Skybound Comic uh, co- uh, Skybound Comet. So it'll be a YA book for for a Walking Dead tie-in, really, right through Clementine. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. All right, and we have a couple shared image books. Let's talk about Deep Beyond first. Yes. Deep Beyond number six. Uh, creative team: Merka Andolfo, David Goy, Andrea Bocadero, Ricardo, excuse me, Barbara Barbara Nascenzo. Um. So a lot has happened in this book, and we've been teased quite a bit that there is a traitor amongst the ranks, mm-hmm. but we haven't really gotten much of a hint as to who it is. And then this issue, we actually find out who it is. They just straight up tell us basically, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was cool. Um, and thankfully it's not like one of the main, main characters, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not one of the, the big three, if you will. Um, so that's good. Uh, also we learn, of course, the logical, part of this with them in this other world and the way that time works differently yeah then the woman they're there to rescue her sister and his you know love of his life is dead because it's been thousands of years so or centuries is what they said so they're like yeah she's gone man and so like you're welcome to stay here and they're basically like prisoners but like you know they also know they can't leave or like they get information on like what's waiting for them if they choose to leave yeah exactly so um so yeah they're just basically like you know dealing with it and is interesting and then we see paul paul takes it the hardest because of course he loved her you know she's Mm -hmm. dead and everything and then suddenly paul gets abducted and he's taken in by what appears to be a rebel group (laughs) and they're following her teachings and basically is like she knew you would come and this is basically like she wants you to do this thing, and it was all timed perfectly. They could only be gone for a certain you know amount of time, and then he's back, and so now he's kind of in the underground, yeah, under undercover, and it was really kind of cool. I, I really dig it. Um, I really like. I've, I've been liking this book more since we you know have started to explore the alien portion of it. You know what I mean? The yes. other world and everything. I think it really went up a notch, and I already liked it. It's just that. I think that really helped a lot. So mm-hmm. what'd you think? Uh, no, honestly, I did enjoy it, especially just like, yeah, figure getting the straight answer who the spy was. And then if you notice when they get that, when they get, when they figure out that they can't go back or like they'll pretty much die if they go back, her face is just not like, obviously it wouldn't be the face. Cause it'd be like, Oh, at least we're safe. She's just more like, Oh shit, I'm kind of fucked here either way. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like seeing that now that we know, and the revelation of the sister was just like, ah, you don't want to believe it, but then you're just like, no, it's, it's not really a comics trope. Like, she really would be gone. Yeah, it would make sense. And then just like, when we come back to Paul, um, yeah. I'm just like, not just because like he's black, but also just because he's wearing like the yellow glasses. He's like, oh, he just reminds me of Prodigy. And then yeah. there's one line, I couldn't believe they sent me a Prodigy like you. <laughs> it's like, all right, oh, well, somebody, <laughs> all right, really, calm down. <laughs> somebody really thinks of this character. <laughs> But no, I, I enjoy it. And it is really one of those where like 
it does get better as more information gets gets presented each each uh, issue, or at least like as we're getting deeper into it. Yeah, awesome. Let's go to Noctera number five. Uh, written by Scott Snyder, art by Tony S. Daniel, colors by Tomi Mori, letter by Ann World. Um, it continues the tradition of you know telling ha- telling a background story at the same time as telling the current story. It's happened in pretty much every issue, um, which I dig. I, I like that it's developing her character. It's showing how she becomes such a hard nosed badass. You know, so yeah. Uh, big turn happens here. Oh, by the way, I got this cover. I was enamored by it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like the red. Is that Andrea you know? Sorrentino? Huh. It looks like a just like a, it reminds me of a Andrea Sorrentino, but I can't see a detail. So I don't know if it it's is. a Carrie Nord. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, but I like I like how much like the warm colors because there's been a lot of blues and stuff, mm-hmm. and I like seeing this. So, um, so yeah, we basically we get a pretty good turn in the story where they finally found sanctuary, and not only did they find sanctuary, they found a place that has real light and can heal. And that's like a miracle in this world uh, at this point. So um, we're able to get her little brother uh, some treatment. It looks like he's going to fully recover. Everything seems hunky-dory. Until we get to near the end of the issue and we find out that not everything is as it seems. This is one of those things we're not going to spoil because it is a series-changing reveal. So uh, definitely read it for yourself. But I, I, I dug it. I, I think this book started shaky with both of us at first. Yeah. But I think it's really grown. Uh, and I think this this is a pretty good issue. I think it starts off on a new arc in a pretty interesting way. And also gives it kind of like um how a lot of uh, post-apocalyptic worlds start off small and then you slowly work around the map and learn more about the environs and stuff like that mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll find sanctuary but then there's something wrong with sanctuary like that's kind of a a trope and so i think i was more forgiving of this because of that like it's just a trope i expect in this kind of story so yeah what do you think um honestly for this one like i mean it's not anything else to writing like yeah this, this book is getting better but this issue like fucking highlights to tony as daniel like it it looked incredible. Like not this page at first, but this reveal oh, of these things were just like really cool. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Tony with his his faces were just so on point in this issue. This mm-hmm. one, like with like him recovering, but then when they're talking to each other down uh, down the line, these are just perfect faces. Like this page oh, yeah. was just so good. Um, no, I, I just really liked how this uh, how this issue looked all together. But then yeah, like a bunch of shit is, is really happening right now. I really like uh, some of his art. Looks like uh, Michael Turner's art. Ooh, okay. I've always been, I've always been a really big fan of Michael Turner uh, yeah. with Fathom and Witchblade and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so specifically, how he draws the main character in this issue, you can see some of the body poses and stuff are straight up Fathom. Um, yeah. So, and you imagine I like Fathom because I like the ocean. Uh, so, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really. I think this is really taken off. So I'm really enjoying it. Ah, oh, way it's time. It's time. Let's do it. Carmen number five. Carmen number five. Everything's done by Gail March. That was easy. <laughs> uh, colors by Tony Lopez, by the way. Yeah, translation by Dan Christensen. Yeah. Um, I loved this book. Mm-hmm. Is 
one of my favorite minis in a long time. Um, it's emotional. <laughs> like, God, I don't want to spoil it. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah, the like ending was like, was perfect. Not even alluding to something because it's like then that needs an explanation, but then it's just like tumbling down all these spoilers. And this is like a not it, it didn't really feel like it, but just once you start grasping how big it was, it be, starts becoming such a dense book. But it just it starts becoming dense in your mind by just like getting yeah. breaking down how it work how it would work. Um, no, honestly, it was it was such a fun ending, and and it's kind of fucked up to say because it's such a very delicate subject but holy shit to get to get to this culmination it was yeah. it was worth a journey yeah i really loved it the concept of it uh the lore we got in the last issue yeah you know what i mean with with the other quote reapers if you will mm-hmm. just the lore we found out and exactly how it works and, and just right it's like it wasn't like over explaining it it wasn't under explaining it to be like well i didn't really get this like the, it's just like it's just there for you to get it. I mean, if you get it, but it's just like, it's just worded just enough for you to, for like, this is the text. These are the rules. And this is why it worked out that one, that one time, all those, all those times ago. And now let it flourish again. Yeah. And I, Kata is one of my, is such a good character is what I'll say. Yeah. Uh, She, she's so realistic. She's a real person. You know what I mean? Like, this is something that, easily could have happened you know this is a person that could have existed you know what i mean yeah and and i absolutely adore her i've adored her from issue one so i'm happy to get the ending that we got again i don't want to spoil but just man like oh yeah no that 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 last page was was beautiful like the the last page itself front and back was just beautiful oh no i'll tell you what got me because <laughs> we're on camera, you guys can't see us. Um, there's one shot that got me, and it's right there. Oh yes, and then the fact that the, the fact that the story gave a shit to just like touch up that loose end and just yeah. like roll with it. Because yeah, no, it's not until we get um, the reaction of. Yeah. it coming back like getting her reaction and being like oh shit I, I saw you guys looking that first shock is just like so worth it this one yeah just seeing that like uh. weight <laughs> being lifted from her from her shoulders that that longing just almost like that first step to like starting to maybe move forward to move on was just like <sighs> it was very deep yeah i really really enjoyed it um that book took me on a ride is what I'll say. Yeah. And I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's about a pretty, you know, serious topic. Very. Yeah. And it's a topic that I ruminate on a lot, not suicide for the record, <laughs> but I'm talking about like death in general. Um, it's just, it's just really interesting. And, and the, the approach to it and the effects your life have on other people is just great. I just yeah. love that book. So, all right. Now we're done with image. We're moving on to vault. We have a small vault book this or vault, small vault stack this week, which is a single book. Uh, in this case, it is Hollow Heart number five. Uh, story and letters by Paul Lohr. Lines, colors, and covers by Paul Tucker. The Pauls. <laughs> um, I think we got one issue left in this. Do you think? I mean, I think, but it's just like it seems like we got introduced to a. 
kind of a high key character as far as like this institution goes. Uh, that it's almost like how honestly, I just I regret ever looking up that this was out of four. I don't know why it was ever solicited out of out of a mini out of four because it's. I think that's what hurts it for me is I keep expecting it to end. When if I didn't have that feeling, I could probably just keep going along on the ride for this one. Yeah. Um. It's just it's there's also a thing about this book is that it's 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 what's the word I want to look for? It's pretty depressing. <laughs> like yeah. there's not a lot of moments of joy in this book. You know what yeah, I mean? No. And so it it can be a tough read. I like it. I I do like the story. I like I lo- we talk about the narration a lot about the stories that the narrator keeps telling, you know. Mm-hmm. And and that does add quite a bit to it. And I do really love the design of L quite a bit. Um, yeah. So, also L does something pretty serious. This I know, and that's, and that's the thing. Like, there's no, there's no like line of hope. There's no like joy in this book. It's like at the very least, like, oh, like we'll get the piece of shit, like a bully guard that will maybe learn his lesson, or like we'll feel something for L. Nope, that story's just over now. <laughs> he had a last time we checked yeah. up on him. He had a he had a shit ending, a very depressing ending, and now he's just gone. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. And it's just curious. I I honestly think, I think we only got one issue left. Maybe, maybe it's a 12. Who knows? I mean, I was surprised that a tunnel like went up to or ended at number eight, even though it was perfectly told that way, but it's like, it's, it's hard to tell through, through vault, you know? Yeah. But it's interesting. I'm curious to see where it goes from here. So yeah, no, for sure. Alrighty. Let's talk about some DC. Uh, surprisingly big week for DC. I looked at my list and I was like, oh, I have like no DCs. And then I bought four. Uh, so uh, I'm going to start off with Ma Solo Books. Um, first of all, Green Lantern number four. Um, so we're continuing the story of the destruction of the Green Lantern Corps where... Um, John Stewart is uh, trapped on an island or trapped on a planet. There's this whole thing going on with him. And uh, basically the power battery has been destroyed. All the Green Lanterns lost their abilities. So he's struggling to maintain everything while simultaneously powerless, basically. Um, but he's John Stewart and he's got the ingenuity and everything. So a lot of this story is dedicated to that specific thing them him trying to find his way to survive against these bad guys and he does it in a really cool way that i really liked uh won't get into the details but yeah he, he tricks a guy and it, it's just really cool he's it's it's john stewart he's smart he's a badass soldier compared to especially all the other green lanterns yeah and then the, the backup story is uh sojourner uh joe and she is um, trying to basically corral Teen Lantern, who just wants to get into trouble. Um, they're trying to figure out who could have possibly have destroyed the um, the power battery. And the number one suggestion is Sinestro. She overhears it, and her powers activate and just basically launch her towards Sinestro's home planet, New Corridor. So Teen Lantern's flying towards it, so Joe's got to go after her. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm digging it. I've always been a Green Lantern fan, so... Uh, it's fun to follow along with this. Uh, just so you know, written by Jeffrey Thorne, drawn by Tom Rainey and Marco Santucci, colored by Michael Taya, and lettered by Rob Lay. Um, next up is Sensational Wonder Woman number five. Um, so this is the Wonder Woman story where they're doing kind of 
like anthology style stories. They're like one her. part, two parter sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And see, I'm actually kind of enjoying that because as somebody who's not like the biggest Wonder Woman fan in existence, mm-hmm. it's nice to have little bits like this, little, little bits of, you know, goodness, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. um, so this one is, I thought this was really fun, actually, uh, written by Amy Chu, drawn by Maria Laura Sanapo, colored by Wendy Broom, and lettered by Pat Brousseau. So basically, we have this old lady, and uh, she's in a retirement home, and there's a really nice uh, guy named Alonzo that's one of her nurses, and he really cares about her. And he goes, look for her, and she's gone. And you can see her room is just covered in Wonder Woman stuff. Ooh, okay. So he finds her in a park, sitting on a bench, and there's like this little boy, and his his ball's stuck in the tree, mm-hmm. and she's got a Wonder Woman tiara on, and oh. she throws it yeah. and knocks the tree out of the. Uh, and so he's just like, "Thanks, lady." He's like, "Thanks, Wonder Woman." She's like, "I'm actually not Wonder Woman." Aww. She's like, "I'm just a friend of Wonder Woman's. Basically, we are friends." So she starts telling a story about World War II, Ooh. and she was she was a a reporter on the front lines in world war two. And basically they're getting attacked by the Germans and wonder woman shows up to save them. And I love this shot. Wonder woman on a horse. Oh, it's classically oh, yeah. done. Yeah. So she shows up to save them. And then the Germans are about to attack wonder woman and she had already thrown her tiara, but it landed this girl's feet. So she picked up and threw it to her and basically saved the day. Well, at that point, the nurse finds them. Is like, hey, you're not supposed to be out here. Let's get you home. So he gets her home. And um, <clears throat> the director of the uh, the house, giving off major Umbridge vibes, by the way, uh, oh, totally. is basically like, this is the last straw. She's out of here. And he's just like, you just want to get rid of her because she doesn't make you money. Because she doesn't you know, have a bunch of money and stuff. And she's like, I don't care. Blah, 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 blah. And then the lady calls uh, Katie, the old lady in, and it's just like, you're going to, you're going to get kicked out of here. And she's like, no, I'm not leaving. She's like, this is my house. And she's like, Oh, I beg to differ. You can go to a public shelter. And then the secretary bumps in and she's like, uh, there's an urgent call. And she's like, what? And basically, um, a law firm has purchased this retirement home and they fire the lady that's in charge. And they reveal that wonder woman's the one that bought the retirement home. And so she walks in. She's uh, looking majestic as fuck, by the way. Oh, totally. She walks in and says, hello, Katie. And then Katie's like, sup? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> like, and so they're, and the, the, lady, the lady they're firing is like, hey, I thought you'd find someone competent to replace me. And they're like, from what I understand, there's already one great candidate. And Alonzo, the nurse that was really nice to her, gets promoted to run the place. So, Aww. And it's really cool. And then so she, like, there's a scene with her watching Wonder Woman and some kids play soccer and stuff. So oh. it's just a cute side story. And I really dig filling in the little blanks because Wonder Woman lived forever. You know what I mean? Like, so oh, she's yeah. going to have a hundred stories. So I really dig it. Um, next up, Nice House on the Lake. Ooh. Number two. Let's wait. Go for it. Okay. This book is weird. <laughs> this one by James the fourth uh alvaro martinez bueno as the artist and jordi belair as the colors yes yes and and world design doing the letters got two issues in and so i'm just confused on like where we're going right now because it opens up with one of the friends again this is all 
the story of like a bunch of friends going getting together for a camping trip at a friends that they haven't seen in forever and uh, and it's fun again just to recap from last issue and it's fun up until it's time to eat steaks and then everybody looks at their phones and the world has literally gone to hell and they're freaking out and then they go to the dude that's hosting was like yeah we gotta get the fuck out of here and he goes no no you're here to stay and he just disappears as he just dismorphs out of the plane of existence so they've just been stuck there and then we open so we open to one of the friends in front of the piano in what would be like around the forest so it's already a weird setting for a piano and he's just talking about like yeah no it was weird like he's reflecting back on that night so we kind of get told like we do jump around a little bit and he's just like halfway defending the friend only because like he really was a good friend to everybody so it's kind of like it was weird that he just brought them like in the end to save them but how would he know um so yeah this whole issue is like reflecting back on the friend and he's like it's really establishing that he just wasn't a bad guy nobody really knows like why he just did this all of a sudden um so come back to back at the what would be our present the day day two basically and there's an itinerary to like food for everybody for what would be forever um see this is how he disappeared how he just that's how he said goodbye to them he just did that and just said poof goodbye take care of each other um so again but it's like but it was very sinister so the thing that's getting really weird is that time is going or days are going by and stuff is getting refilled like there's a there's a section where like one of the friends that like nora she got her hand blowing off like right before um the dude disappeared just because like she literally just touched him and her hand just just poofed like almost like the same way he did so she's like just coming to terms of not having a hand and there's like a cigarette moment and another friend is like hey can i buy one off one off of you And he's like yeah no sure it's fine but i don't see why it matters since like you're just you can just like the house is magic like anything that you need like the house is very specific to everybody's needs so it's kind of like there's almost a purpose to this like at, at the library like nora she when she was just like she's like oh well, fuck this like I'll, I'll go inside when she goes to the library she was just like this whole fucking shelf is books and comics that he that he told me to read back when we were teenagers and it's just like a bunch of callbacks like there's there's sandman loose bullets um just a bunch of other a bunch of books so it's kind of like again neat like specific uh necessities towards everybody and they're trying to concoct a plan or they, they find a statue they find a statue outside as like, or because one of the people that was just trying to figure out how to escape, there's like an invisible wall uh, to some perimeter. So he just kept following the invisible wall up until he found like the statue. And he realized that it's a messed up statue because like if you touch it, you can pretty much get like an, an updated glimpse of outside of your house. So everybody just pretty much like touches, touches it to pay their respects to their loved ones and their home. And everybody just like, everybody just starts, starts breaking down. Uh, but yeah, back at home. Or here, oh, Here's an update of an update of home. It's just Jesus. a whole Cronenberg of mess back in back in everywhere else. Uh, but yeah, back inside because it it was when I was like, hey, everybody, come outside. And then two people, were, like the couple, was like, he told his girlfriend, like, hey, just hold on, I gotta tell you something. And he starts getting starts doubling down on like, what if we need to start looking at this as like a blessing type of way, like as in like, yeah, everything is shit, but like at least we have this, so we should probably like have this rationale moving forward so everybody doesn't freak out and just like burn this place to the ground too um 
And then you realize like, all right, it's kind of messed up, but I guess there's some like reason behind it. And, and even she's like, okay, sure. Like I'll, I'll roll with it. Like, I love you. Like I love you too. Always as he's looking over her shoulder, homeboy might be manipulating him too. What? So it's kind of like, oh shit, it's, it's getting creepy. It's kind of like, oh shit. Like James just has a twisted mind. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, what about Swamp Thing? The Swamp Thing, number five. The Swamp Thing. This one by the wonderful Rom B. Artist John McCree. Colors is Mike Spicer. And Aditya Bedikar as the lettering. So, this one's Enter Good Old, the wonderful John, excuse me, John Constantine. He's painting this uh, bubble. Uh, he's playing this, like, playing this monologue on like, London. Um, there's great, great lines that go throughout the whole city. Um, veins under the callous gray skin, as he put puts in, is actually a really good touch. Um, and you know, underneath, like this, it's a place for poets, ma- mechanics, magicians, and monsters. And as he keeps monologuing, we we come back to Levi, who is pretty much like cutting from like where we left off in the last issue, and he's like leaving the love interest behind and he's just like so he can make it home because she's just like crazy she's just like not going crazy but she's literally scared of the swamp thing because like she did not have a good time in the inside the green and he <laughs> knows this and is not going to share the secret so she can still be around and as he's leaving and he's about to make it to his apartment he still doesn't have control of when the green calls him and just disintegrates on the spot on the floor um outside, outside of his apartment <laughs> so then we cut to um our key player here uh sierra Sierra Kiri, who's somebody from that John Constantine knows, because he's already he's already pretty much at her spot, at, just because like she knows that she's in trouble. He knows that he's that she's in trouble. Um, and yeah, uh, I guess like Sierra had had a boyfriend who basically let him in on the whole magic thing, and just like was just giving him like the light stuff. <laughs> was just giving him the light stuff, but he got really into it and just started to become more and more obsessed. So much so that he found his little cursed spot in his little spot of London. And now he's like trapped in between like pipes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we figure out that underneath, like literally like under the ground, like in this spot, there was this old or there is an old like World War II bomb. It's also kind of a Nazi story. And he's like and displaced in our in our like basically like that the bomb because it was so full of hate and like the belief of like that idea that were like the nazis and like this dud of a bomb that just was just underground all this time was able to sprout just all this hate so it was like this dude that was just like coking out on on magic was just wrong place wrong time and then he just got cursed into this like body full of pipes going through him and he's in and physically he's here mentally or at least like uh, spiritually he's in the in this dreamscape and he is just stuck in this lost zone of world war ii all by himself so john constantine has to go in from the astral plane while um swamp thing has to find the bomb and detonate it anywhere else <laughs> and how does he do it he literally asked Sierra for the Yunchi powder. And he's like, yep, yeah, this, this is what I used to get there. And dude literally fucking pop, pops a fucking Coke. It's like the giant, like, Yinchu, like, bomb. 
that is the face he makes with all that Yinshu powder up his nose. <laughs> and yeah, I guess that's one quick way to get into like the dreamscape. Uh, so yeah, while he's trying to find the dude to just like come back to his um, uh, mortal shell the whole time, uh, Swamp Thing like literally just tries to go and digs the bomb, d- gets the bomb from underneath, and then resurfaces somewhere, anywhere else in the world, which is so fucking cool. And then because like this bomb again, like it's not that it's going to start detonating, but it starts glowing. I guess it just starts, like, it does start triggering. But because again, like the radiation of like, it starts getting really getting into, like the belief and like the ideas. It starts like peeling away at Swamp Things, but he's just trying to get it like anywhere the fuck away as far as possible before it does detonate. But it's not going to kill him, but it does literally just like, he does sacrifice himself for just to get this thing out of here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they pretty much like save it. The guy comes back to normal. John Constantine just like leaves off and does it, does his thing. And then the last page is just touching back on that uh, Suicide Squad because like they did came back, they did come enter in, in the last issue again in the last pages, but now it's uh, Amanda Waller wants to get her hands on Swamp Thing to use him as a weapon because in her in her mind he already is a weapon, so like why not? It's like yeah, Amanda just like just chill the fuck out. Like I know you're cool, but just maybe don't come off as like so hard like that as a villain. <laughs> Sometimes she can be too much. Yeah. Nice. All right, we got two DC books that we share. Cool. Uh, let's start with Crush and Lobo number two, written by Mariko Tamaki, drawn by Amon K. Nahopan, uh, colored by Tom Bonvillain, and lettered by Ariana Mayer. So we get kind of a background story of Crush and her girlfriend, which was adorable. Very. Her, her girlfriend is just the cutest thing. Like, God. Um, and yeah, basically how they met and fell for each other and stuff. And we do get a, a hint that maybe it's not over later on in it because she gets a message from her. Yeah. But she's lost her phone at this point. So <laughs> um, so she's traveling through space to go see her dad and she stops to get coffee. So that was pretty funny using like MapQuest for space. The, um, the fucking line, like just because you're in space, you don't care about the environment. <laughs> yes. So that leads to a complication and also the destruction of her ship. And she's just floating in space because she's Lobo's daughter, so she can't be killed. She's and then complimented on his coffee. I figured I figured that was going to be good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and she gets picked up by a space trucker. And no, this is not a crossover <laughs> with another book we used to review. Um, so she's riding on the back bumper, which I thought was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Also, her and Lobo are humming the same song. It seems like, which I thought was interesting. So. Oh yeah, I actually didn't notice that. And Lobo, it shows Lobo in prison. He's doing his, you know, meeting with group. He's trying to be like, you know, things are better. I'm doing better. And then we left off on the cliffhanger of her getting there and identifying herself. I'm here to see Lobo. I'm his kid. Um, so, yeah, that was fun. I liked the the coffee uh, the coffee shop trip and, like, yeah. everything that happened blew it up. And I really dug the space trucker. I thought that was funny. Uh, yeah, honestly, they were just like great, mo- like great shots, and then yeah, like I like that as um, apparently unavoidable unav- relationship flashback. Like the self awareness of the book is just, it's just funny. It's like it actually, it just it help it helps the book a lot. But yeah, like the whole scene in the coffee shop was was fantastic. I really thought he was just gonna be like, oh shit, she likes my coffee. But no, you just had to like double down on like dripping off <laughs> her face, and then, but yeah, but then it's all worth it because like the way she just looks on the truck on the truck, it's just badass. Like Crush is just such a badass. Yeah. And then, like, I don't know why my stupid brain just wants to believe Lobo for a second. 
No, that's not I, you know, I, I know he's just talking out of his ass in this circle, like in this group circle. But then again, like I wouldn't, I would just believe Lobo to just like be talking more aggressively out of his ass in these circles instead of like trying to maybe change just for um, what's the actual phrase? Just uh, yeah, on, on good behavior, you know. I'm sorry. What? Oh, I just I, I feel like I I. I feel like he's not the type of person to play like the being released early off of our oh, yeah. behavior. <laughs> yeah, he's totally the type like, no, I'm different. Let me out. <laughs> like, so, yeah. All right. And then let's move on to our final DC book. And that is Wonder Girl number two. Yes. I got the deluxe cover again, which I love. So good. Yeah. Uh, written. I don't even have to look, do I? Written by Joelle Jones. <laughs> Uh, art is oh no I do need to look because <laughs> I think Joel did both but I don't want to be wrong. Where's it? it's in a weird one in this one I remember like, it's a weird spot. Joel Jones writer and uh, Adriana Mello um, helping with the art. That's right. Okay. And Jordi Bella with the colors. Clear, Thank clean you. with the letters. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so we get to see kind of an origin of Yara Floor yeah. where we saw that she was sucked underwater before. It appears like this is what's going to awaken the powers within her. And uh, spoiler, Yara Floor is gorgeous the entire way through this book. Yeah. So, oh my god. Just, such a just absolutely beautiful. Um, but yeah, and then we see basically p- people all over the planet basically realizing, hey, she's a threat. We need to take care of her. Including um, Artemis, um, some other Amazons, and also w- Cassie, Wonder Girl. Yes. is looking to follow up on Hippolyta's behalf. And they get into a fight on a plane. And Wonder Girl just, or Wonder Girl Yarfloor, just wrecks, basically. And kicks somebody through the wall of the plane, which causes it to start crashing. <laughs> so, Because um, that's what would happen. And yeah, basically we just get this, all this stuff happening. The plane uh, does crash. And then we see, waiting for it to crash, the god Eros, who you might know as Cupid, everybody. <laughs> and he's sent there to fetch her. And he has his arrow out. He knocked it. He's ready to shoot and realizes he cut his own hand, which is a really careless thing for Cupid of all he people. He knocked to do. it back a little too hard. <laughs> yeah. And so he's immediately struck and fallen in love with Yara Floor. Now, Josue. You would not need to shoot me with an arrow to make me fall in love with Yara Floor. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, absolutely not. Uh, I really dug this, though. I'm loving that we're getting an origin for her, because as much as I love the um, the future state story of her, I was kind of like, cool, who is this? Who is this? Yeah, not for sure. So, yeah, I really liked it. What did you think? Uh, I mean, it's just, it looks gorgeous. Like, she looks amazing. No, you literally just said it all. Like, it's, I like the ev- the events unfolding, and it's like, yeah, the mystery is like, like I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready to learn the answer on like what is the big deal of Yara Floor? Like what is the DC? What is DC like trying to come up with like to make her this important to have all these different factions just be like that can't happen? Yeah, she needs to be stopped. Why? <laughs> so. Right, exactly. Why? But she's such yeah. a badass. Like she's such a babe. Like she's let her. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, and then finally, let's move on to our Marvel books. Uh, we don't have too many this week. Uh, Hosway, start with Amazing Spider-Man. Okay, Amazing Spider-Man number 70, Legacy 871. This one by, still, by Nick Spencer. And this one's just drawn by 
Federico Vicentini, and colors with Alex Sinclair and Joe Caramanga as lettering. So this is the prelude to Sinister War. And holy shit, is it going to be a fucking war? Um, I saw your tweet, and I'm very curious. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, we'll get to uh, in a second. For the first uh, part of the prelude of the book is that um, apparently the at the school, Doc Connors got jumped by... The, uh, the a combination of the original Sinister Six, basically the the team that Doc Ock is forming, because mm-hmm. they needed to find their fifth. They wanted their lizard, but not Doc, not Doc Connor's lizard, just just the lizard. So they basically tweaked everything that Doc Connors has been working on with the mind of Otto, and he fucking did it. Otto was able to separate Doc Connors, like or the lizard from Doc Connors. Now there's actual two physical different beings. So hopefully that gets to stay after like after so long because like give Doc Connors a peaceful life or at least give him like Seriously. three to five he's, years of some peaceful life without having to be like halfway worrying about the lizard. He's he's been run over for a long time. Now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean technically, I mean granted he does have his half lizard family too, but like just don't just have him just not worry for a while. Cut to yeah, I mean MJ's back. She's following, She's trying to follow. Um, Carly Cooper, because she was part of uh, the superhero group, focus group, that was just, uh, or anonymous group, that are just, like, friends of superheroes that have a hard life being a friend of superhero. And, yeah, we cut to what I've been waiting for, because it was very quiet all last arc after being left off on that cliffhanger. Yes, Carly Cooper is in a cell that that she got left there by Kindred, and she is there next to none other than Harry Osborn. Yes. It was Harry. That time you said you're reading too much into it. <laughs> you're right, Keith. I do read too much Spider-Man. <laughs> so I would know the difference between a Norman and a Harry based on what they're wearing. And yeah, I mean, he. Uh, so Harry gives us like this uh, explanation on what really happened to him. And yeah, he. It was just like he kind of. Fuck. He didn't really fuck up by like looking for like any sort of darkness in the Os- uh, in the Osborne family. Like he had his family, uh, but it was just I guess a part of his whole his old life didn't want to let go of him. Like in a very like just in that kind of way. So he goes to some old uh, Oscorp location in Europe, and it might be again tying into where um, Ned Leeds went to get his dose of uh, the Goblin Serum in the Europe um, Oscorp location. So as he's there to try to like just to tie up some loose ends, this is when he says that he gets jumped or he yeah he gets ambushed by the thing that calls and that's when he showed up calls himself Kindred and he's the one who stuck me onto the cell months ago. So now I'm just confused. I'm like why he's actually going why he was running with being Harry the whole time, and so that was Harry explaining to Carly why he's been missing this whole time, what happened to him this whole time, explaining it to us. And now it's Carly's turn because she because he was like, all right, now tell me your story. How how did you end up here? And she just starts monologuing, and it's like, well, I'll tell him the, the story, but not the whole story. And yeah, the reason why she was here is because she was like she was on Kindred's trail, uh, trying to like examine all the bodies that Kindred exhumed from that one arc to just like throw it in Peter and uh, Norman's face. And right before she got jumped, like her the, the, her revelation, the thing that she found out was that she also found Harry's body. Like that's supposed to be Harry's body. 
and yet now he he's right he's right in front of her so this is she he's not she's not telling him this exact detail because i mean she's trying to piece it out but it's just like what the fuck like we have three potential hairy bodies around a dead one a live one and maybe if it is kindred or if it's just like all the negativity outside of harry and that's what manifested that that still hasn't been alluded to either so that was just it for all those reveals now every single team is just forming to form their own um sinister team yeah the last piece for the for the last piece for the original team was like uh, see kindred now um gets in front of uh auto and he's like all right the time has come like I told you you can make your team, Kendra's talking to Otto, I told you you can make your team pick whoever you want, but leave the sixth one to me. It's going to be my choice. And Otto's like, all right, fine. I made my team. Like, who's it going to be? Who's your big bad? And apparently, Kendra didn't kill off uh, Mysterio. That nightmare that he gave everybody that he come was like just brutally, savagely murdered uh, uh, Mysterio. I guess that's mm-hmm. going to be his spy or his, his lackey in Otto's team. And now it's just like every other person that's been pissed off celebrating. And it's just this giant spread of one, two, three, four, five, five different sinister teams. Jesus. <laughs> that's going to be up to 30 villains and that's Spider-Man crazy. alone to just figure the fuck out. <laughs> Well, he has a spider family now. So that's, that's true. He does have a spider family. Uh, but yeah, like a bunch of bombs just get dropped here. And it's just like, I don't I don't know what to make of the whole Harry thing. Who's the real Harry? But holy shit. It's just like, I've just been waiting for that for that bit. I've just <laughs> been waiting for that answer to just be there. Nice. All right. Uh, I have one solo Marvel and that's Star Wars or the Bounty Hunters. It's Ooh. Bounty Hunters number 14. Uh, written by Ethan Sachs, drawn by Paolo Villanelli, Villanelli excuse me, colored by Arif Prianto, and lettered by Travis Lanham. Wait, so this which, is the one that's following... Which Star Wars the, book is this? Bounty Hunters. Oh, it's just Bounty Hunters. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so it's the one that follows Valance and Gang, uh, Dengar, mostly. Okay. So, um, this is kind of a side story leading into it. I'm wondering if they really needed to kind of, like, give a diversion, because they had an extra episode before the actual auction, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, so basically, Valance, his robot parts are damaged, and they have to go meet a mechanic that can actually fix him. And that's kind of most of the story on their end. Uh, there is a side story uh, for some other characters, for Tonga and Losha, um, that also involves around this. So everything is still revolving around what's going on. Um, we get a kind of cool like one-page big spread about the history of the Crimson Dawn, including a shot of Paul Bettany from Solo. Oh, is he? It is. <laughs> Yeah, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's just a tease for what's coming up. But it's still it's part of the whole, and I'm really enjoying the crossover. So, yep, uh, not too much to talk about on that one. So now we're gonna talk about our shared Marvels. Uh, yes. Let's start off with America Chavez, Ooh. made in the USA, number four, written by Kalinda Vasquez, drawn by Carlos Gomez, colored by Jesus Bertov, and lettered by Travis Lanham. Um, so we last issue we found out quite a bit about um, about America's mothers, mm-hmm. and originally she believed they were just you know superheroes, they were heroes, and now it's been revealed that they were actually scientists, and they might have been involved in some questionable stuff, but it was all for to save her and her sister, and uh, she's finding out a lot of stuff about this. Um, also, I got this cover. Oh, it's a great one. Yeah. Yeah, I really like it. So, um, 
So yeah, um, we also see them. They're trying to rescue a whole new generation of young girls mm-hmm. uh, that that her or she's trying to rescue that her sister has captured. And it also shows the moment where she is sent to our world, and um, she accidentally leave, or she, her sister's taken away from her as she leaves. So she they tried to leave together, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of what uh, what happened. Also, I just want to talk about her sister. I love her design, Catalina's design. Oh hell like yeah! The, like the yellow hoodie with the braids, the like braids, she's the hoops, like no, she's yeah. she's just a badass. Yeah. So basically, she's about to basically do it, and then Catalina brings out Berto, America's brother from our world, mm-hmm. as basically like leverage, and so we're going to see where that goes. Uh, but I, I'm enjoying this story. I, so it's been a lot of fun. It's a character I don't know a ton about, so it's been a lot of fun learning. So. I know. I, I think. I think that's that what you said is what helps because like, just because i'm not so attached to like the original lore it's like i'm okay with like going through this uh i guess i would call like a retcon or a rewrite but it's like i guess redoing her origins like it's like retelling her origins like all right that's cool like it still works and like the book was fantastic yeah and like i said yeah it's able to work cause it's still honoring like the like her sense of having her moms but just like maybe clarifying a little bit more and yeah, just I'll, I'll touch. We'll touch about uh, on this book later. Later. Yeah. Uh, next up, Thor and Loki: Double Trouble Number Four, <laughs> written by Mariko Tamaki, drawn by Guri Hiru, and a letter by Ariana Mayer. Double, um, double trouble or double trouble squared for this issue. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the last issue, we got to see uh, Thor, goddess of thunder. Yes. And then in this issue, we're introduced to Lady Loki. And it's done in just a fun way. And we get to see a multiple page showdown of the Lokis trying to out-Loki each other (laughs) for the crystal ball thing. And they're just constantly transforming back and forth and talking trash the entire time. And I love the Thors bet on the other Loki. (laughs) They don't bet on their own Lokis. So... Uh, but yeah, basically that's most of the issue is them just fighting back and forth and our Loki manages to trick their Loki and into doing, and it's best because he did it in a way that he didn't know what was going to happen. He just was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> so I thought that was great. And they serve summon another Midgard serpent. Basically. <laughs> so, so Loki takes the, the crystal teleports away. They're, they're able to get rid of the serpent. And then the boys are back and destroyed Asgard that they still haven't cleaned up. And Loki apologizes and they start cleaning. Um, this is the end of the arc. I thought this was really fun. Uh, I really enjoyed the letters pages. I don't know if you looked at them. Oh, yeah. it's Most of the letters are from little kids. Yes. I'm, like, I'm actually asking questions like, do Thor and Loki like to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? <laughs> Like, yes, Loki likes to eat purple salad, question mark. <laughs> like, it's just great. But the best part about it is the very end. It says, and never fear, you haven't seen the last of Double Trouble. Stay tuned. Yes. I love this. It's a really good intro for young readers. And I just had a blast. And I love the art. I love Guru Hero's style. Mm-hmm. Like his, his clueless looking Thor, his mischievous Loki. It's just great. I love it. So what do you think? Oh, no, I mean, honestly, it's, it's one of those I, I thoroughly enjoyed because, yeah, like, I'm not going to take this super serious. I'm not going to judge it for, like, every single panel because <laughs> it's exactly what it is. And, yeah, like, it's, like, what makes it for me is just, like, it's what I say. I, I'm just callbacking every, every, every time. It's just, like, 
it's those old tales where you, when you're watching the movies and you're just like, yeah, I seem to remember you tricking me that one time. And, and it's like a very silly punchline. These are the stories where like Loki would hoodwink Thor into like any sort of bullshit into any sort of shenanigans. And like, it just makes me believe those stories even more. Yeah, definitely. It's just fun. And like I said, it's a really great intro for a lot of people. Yeah. So. Nice. Um, all right, now we're going to delve into our X-Books, and yes. it's a big week for X-Books, and we're going to start with X-Force. Uh, yeah, so we're coming out of the Hellfire Gala, and it's a new direction for X-Men, which is going to be the theme of our X-Books this week as we talk. Um, and I'm curious. I'm curious to see where all this is going to go in the end. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Joshua Kassar and Robert Kill, colored by Guru EFX, and lettered by Joe Carmagna. So, X-Force is still recovering from the fact that Beast, you know, committed a war crime and and hasn't been, like, charged or anything yet. And they discovered that... They flash back to a, like, ecological disaster that happened off the, the coast in the northwest of the U.S., coast of Washington. And basically, they're like, oh, we got this handled, and they send X-Force to handle it. And it's kind of cool how they're handling it, like the, um, like, forges invented shit to basically get rid of the bad stuff. And it's just really cool. And I like how he's, Storm is, like, incorporated into a, into a Storm system that's on its way. And I'm like, that's really oh, yeah. cool. I like the idea of them doing things like, you know, ecological disaster recovery and stuff. So, not just punching bad guys. So, um. But they run afoul of what appears to be Man-Thing, but slightly different. Doesn't quite look like Man-Thing. And what we find out is, maybe there's a second Man-Thing, and for some reason, and we don't know why. Um, And in the background of this, we see a bunch of people who are corrupted by some kind of green something inside of them that are making them do things. And uh, it shows us a couple different examples of it. And it seems to be, like, I think there's the bit where Beast says, like, um, if I'm not mistaken, the behavioral patterns of these cases seem to indicate telefloronic control of the hosts. And Sage goes, "You would know." <laughs> like, and I'm like, "God damn!" <laughs> like, so, uh, so they they basically the, the remainder of X Force, Domino, Quentin Quire, Wolverine, they show up and they start fighting this new man thing. And they're basically like, "Hey, we don't want to fight you. We want to talk." And in the end, he 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 runs away, but then he comes back and he says, "I can't go back." And it's like, "Where can't you go back?" weapon plus yes so god and then we see xeno is involved in this as well so this is all those x-force like things coming together uh so from the very beginning you know xeno has been the enemy of x-force since this volume began since the series began so but yeah it's really good really enjoyable um I mean, it's Domino. I love Domino. Yeah. <laughs> I'll read everything Domino I thought that it's, it's after the gala. They were literally the security team, so there was nothing really to reminisce about. Like, oh, wasn't that fun? It was like, no, it's, it's back to fucking work. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, pretty good. Um, let's move on next to Children of the Atom, number oh, five. Geez. These poor babies. <laughs> Written by Vida Ayala. Drawn by Paco Medina, colored by Dave Curiel, and lettered by Travis Lanham. So we get the final point of view book, and this is for Daycrawler, also known as Nighty Nightcrawler. <laughs> um, and he basically, everybody else is captured but him. He's able to teleport away. He's able to make it to the Krakoan embassy and get the X-Men to come help. 
And I just want to point out that Strong Guy's there, and I love that because yeah. you guys are all fucking haters for not voting for Strong Guy in the X-Men election. <laughs> Yo, some of these like votes got shoutouts this week. Did you, did you pay attention to them? I, I did. We'll talk about that yeah. in a minute, actually. So. Um, but yeah, so basically the X-Men show up to fight the UFOs. And or not the UFOs, the U Men. UFOs yes. are <laughs> the Fantastic Four villains. Uh, so, um, and then the U Men are like, "Haha! Look, we have these things that block your powers and make you sick." So all the X Men are like, "Oh no, we're sick!" And it, it was very cool. It was very much like an old school, like, "Oh no, not not the anti mutant ray," you know. <laughs> and then the Children of the Atom are like, "We gotta help them. Let's go!" And so they start fighting, and that's when the X-Men realize they're not mutants. Yeah. They're humans with technology, which is what we kind of theorized from the beginning, Mm -hmm. but it did have a cool twist that we kind of thought might be coming. Um, So anyways, they end up fighting them and there's so many cool moments. I think my favorite is Cyclops last with Cyclops. I mean that panel, like them shooting their own beams, like it just looks so cool. Yeah. But all the little team ups are fun and stuff. And I would say Storm is fucking awesome in this book, by the way. Oh, totally. Yeah. So basically, in the end, they're like, hey, you're not mutants, basically. Like, we don't we don't we don't mind that you're heroes, but, you know, you're kind of co-opting mutant culture by doing this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, sorry about that. And then they're kind of recovering afterwards. And we get a cute moment with gimmick and Cyclops last. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, kiss. And then Storm shows up. Storm reveals that Gimmick is a mutant. Yeah. And she's invited to the Hellfire Gala. Which she was in the issue. Yes. I did notice her and it's like, well, that's hopefully not a spoiler. And I guess it wasn't going to be a spoiler. It is a spoiler. <laughs> but is she going to go without her friends? I mean, she kind of was there without her friends. No, I mean, is she going to move to Krakoa? Oh, yeah, I know, right? So, and we did get on there to be concluded. So, oh, yeah. one issue left. The surprise of one more issue, yes. I'm curious to see where this goes. Me too. Honestly, yeah. I, mean, I want to see what happens to them. Are they going to get new warriors? You know what I mean? Like players that Vita made me care about now, so they have to stay in the MU now. So, yeah, I have to know what happens after, like for them afterwards. Yeah, definitely. Um. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Gimmick the one that made all their tech? Yeah. Oh, I mean, like they found the tech, and then they they really. But she's she's the one that worked it, basically. Yeah, and, and they really yeah. weirdly uh, we worked it for other like I don't know they they kind of rotated around on how how to actually work them. Yeah. So we'll see. All right, we're gonna go to Hellions next. Yep. Uh, so I got cover A, of course, but yes, I had to get this. It's. Oh, all Oops, the all <laughs> this one, but it's like this this stitched up sinister, and I'm so glad it's literally the sinister. This sinister, <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, Hellions, one of our favorite, might be our favorite X Men book now. This fucking X Factors game. Well, we talked about that last week. Uh, written by Zeb Wells, drawn by Roger Antonio, uh, colored by Rain Barreto. And letter by Ariana Mayer. So uh, we get a few little beats, uh, uh, character beats to start off with, including uh, a bit with um, with Nanny playing with her little um, uh, baby that she stole, basically. Abomination. Uh, 
Um, and then we get to see Orphan Maker sees it, and he's not allowed to talk about it. Um, which led to a pretty funny punchline. Um, there's also a part where they're trying to convince Empath that he... There's a part where they're trying to convince Empath that he sacrificed himself, and he's like, nah, that, that didn't happen. <laughs> he's like, yeah, good one, guys. Uh, so... Um, no way I did it on purpose is any sense. So, um, we get another awkward confrontation between Quanan and Grey Crow. And then Grey Crow, he meets with Orphan Maker and he he's like, Nanny hates me. I, I, I'm too old to watch her change, but I went in anyway and saw something and I can't tell you what. And Grey Crow's like, that's fine by me. <laughs> this is, a, okay, so listeners, this is a literal cry for a help. It is in no way creepy, sexual, or wrong in any way of how he said it. It was just how it came out. Yeah. It could have been any other words for Gregor to be like, oh, wait, dude, like, okay, what the fuck's going on? But because yeah. it's, it was came out this way, that's fine by me, really. We'll talk about it again. <laughs> it, was perfect. it was the perfect word choice. I loved it. Yes. So, and then he's like, you want to clean guns? He's like, yeah. <laughs> um. So we follow up with Sinister, and Sinister is confronted by Sinister. What? (laughs) And this is Franken-Sinister, who is stitched together from what happened in the other world during Ten of Swords. Yes. Where the entire X-Factor team was wiped out, and he knows what happened. And he's ready to take Sinister out. And the Hellions show up, and they're like, we got his back. And they're like, he basically is like, I didn't escape. No one ever escapes. He's like, I'm here at the pleasure of my master. He sent me with his children, the Locust Vile. And <laughs> this fight was incredibly one-sided last time we saw it. <laughs> incredibly one-sided. <laughs> so I'm curious to see what happens here. Um, are they a better team now? I know Wild Child's better off because of his resurrection. You know, he's more yeah. clear and stuff. So this might be more fun of a fight. But we are getting a... Um, a fight, a, a rematch between the Locust Vile mm-hmm. and Hellions, which is going to be sick, and I can't wait. It's going to be super violent. I mean, they also have the liberty of just like either letting more, letting loose more, or just also not caring on how far they could take it because they're already back on home soil, so they can just be resurrected. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, but then will they forget that Sinister betrayed them? Because that's the oh, thing. Oh yeah, they just got revealed so. that he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, and that leads us to our final book of the week. Book! It's, okay. I will say this. Okay, guys, it's X-Men number one. We'll get that out of the way first. Uh, written by Gary Dugan, drawn by Pepe Larraz, colored by Marte Gracia, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. I will say it is a shame that Hickman's run stops so soon. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Especially, yeah. in, I liked how he was, like, before Empire. I love that they were just, like, random chapters it was an anthology it was it wasn't like a central story so but this is the big change in x-men and we need to get back to being superheroes Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah basically we get introduced to who's probably going to be the new big bad and i love his motivation and that he spent his entire life preparing to colonize mars (laughs) and then idiot the mutants did it in like two hours (laughs) like and he's furious, basically. So that's going to be fun. Uh, we get revealed the new X-Men base in New York, which is the Treehouse yeah. in in uh, Central Park, which looks gorgeous, by the way. Yeah. Um, and basically, it's a free space for humans and mutants to meet. And like they can check out all the mutant stuff and 
and uh, Cyclops meets with Ben Yurik. And that's cool. I love Ben Yurik. And he's just talking to Cyclops like, oh, this grew overnight. And it, if you guys ever, you know, try to say goodbye to a friend like you're leaving, you're like at the door, you got the door open, you're standing in the doorway and they keep talking to you and you're like, yep, uh-huh. So this happens to Cyclops. He's Most of his body is through the portal. And you're asked him questions, and he's just like, "Okay, like I'm, I'm going through the portal now." <laughs> he's just like, "One more question." He's just he talks about Jumbo Carnation, mm-hmm. uh, and basically how he had died, and he's just like, "Yeah, there's a lot of mystery about it." He's like, "But he was definitely dead." So what happened there? And Cyclops is like, uh, "Good night, Mister York. It's been a pleasure." It's just like, "Fuck." <laughs> like, so, um. Yeah, and then that's when we get a couple shoutouts. Um, after that point of uh people that just missed the list uh to make the x-men mm-hmm. um so we get the uh we get the shout out that forge and was it uh tempo tempo, tempo yeah, yeah forge and tempo helped build build the treehouse we get that a little bit later on um so that was cool to see them get a little shout out you know i, I, I um, love when they i love when they drop little lines to like not power scale but just like make you think of like why the fuck weren't powers used like this or utilized like this before like with mm-hmm. uh, Sink and Forge, like they're just like tinkering. And when he's just like, when Sink is just like, I know Magneto can drop new cores into planets, like, but on a day like this, uh, I think Forge might be the most powerful mutant. What an amazing yeah. mind. And then Forge would be like, my ears are burning. I know you <laughs> asked me to, to, to look over your work, but you should know I'm not a better me than you, Sink. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I love Everett so much. I'm an old school Gen X fan. So just to see him get the spotlight is just so great. It might be my favorite thing about this new series is the fact that he's involved. Yeah, so. honestly, I'm very, I'm so stoked for him. Yeah. So we get this cool tour of the treehouse and all the different things inside of it. We get a little shout out of like, you know, as they basically walk past people, they walk past Wolverine. They're like, hi, Wolverine. She goes, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um the best line ever, I think it's Polaris says, I need to confess something, and Cyclops says, if you killed Wanda, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. So good. good. <laughs> and then, yeah, they're just doing the tour, and then it's like, oh, shit, we're getting attacked. And so Rogue is outside. There's an alien robot thing that shows up. And we just get into a cool fight scene. And long story short, their powers really aren't doing much. So... Everett's still synced to Forge, and he's like, I have an idea. Read my mind. And they're, they're all having ideas. And then he's like, read my mind. And then Jean's like, okay. And then she's like, I'm sharing it with everybody now. And then Sunfire goes, yes. Sorry, but we must do this. <laughs> and basically, they build an X-Robot, which looks amazing. <laughs> okay, after this page, I was so down for Claptrap to be in Smash. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like it looks like a robot minion, like from Minions, not not yes, just the generic. Type. It really does, <laughs> and it's it's straight up fucking tonkatsu shit because they're all like controlling different parts they're of the body. All different parts. <laughs> so dumb, and I love it. So they just fight it with this dumb looking robot, and they lose an arm and everything. And then there's a moment where they finally punch a hole in it, and then X- that's when the Wolverine's like, you know, kick me over there. Doors open. She throw, throws herself in and just starts slicing the inside, which is the Wolverine role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love that they start getting broadcasts from like Captain America. Oh, the Avengers are thirty seconds out, 
and things like, oh, we're almost there. It's like, oh, we got it. Don't worry about it. And I love that. I love that the other heroes re- like reaction is thanks. Not you shouldn't be here. Right. You know? it's like, it's sometimes that's yeah. Like that. So, yeah, I, I really dug it. And they repurposed the robot to be the new lighthouse mm-hmm. for Kirkoa, which is just amazing. <laughs> And it's just cool. It's just a really cool setup for everything that's going to be happening. I really, really enjoyed it. And we get another big bad, I, I would want to say. So oh, I guess we're going to introduce the two big bads. of a big bad, yeah. Cordyceps Jones, <laughs> 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 who is a mushroom person that lives in a dead body. And he's basically, he runs a gambling thing where they basically bet on can they destroy the earth <laughs> and they just keep sending shit to earth to be to you know try to destroy it yeah so we get a lot of teases for the future and we also get a tease at the end that is really interesting about someone that is it kind of reminds me of the origin of doomsday from dc because oh, if, you if, if you don't know the origin of doomsday basically he was thrown out onto a lifeless rock died immediately the scientist took the little bit of dna like basically yeah. kept cloning them over and over and over and make them tougher and tougher and tougher and tougher. And that's kind of what this is, seems like they're doing to this creature. So I thought that was kind of cool. So mm-hmm. whatever is happening there. And then we get a tease that someone was, is looking into what, how are people coming back to life? Oh so. yeah. And then the last tease of like the piece of shit I was not expecting to see in ever in so long since like the first wave of dawn of x is like why why is he coming back <laughs> he failed us miserably last time <laughs> yes that's right blurred space lawyers coming back <laughs> honestly and you said you said it best like it just it made me excited for like the future or what's to come um because this issue made me made me remember uh was it Kid Brood uh, with eating the egg, the king egg? Yeah, and yeah. it's been silent since then. Well, they make a they make a note about note of it during the gala. They said in sword, I think um, that oh, like one of the one of their kids is the king of the brood now. Okay, so they have control yeah, of the brood. So <laughs> yeah. I just need to touch back on that because that was like a long time. It was ago. it was one line. It was just mentioned in one line of a dialogue. Okay, so. yeah, but. No, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. I hope we don't get too far away from the Krakoa of it all because that's been so fucking great. Oh yes, um, I know, I know, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, so and we'll see. Um, and the trial of Magneto starts soon, and that we'll get a good idea of where to go from here. So, mm-hmm. but it is cool to have uh, like an on set or on site superhero team in the X Men again. Right. Yeah. It, 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 honestly, it'll make me excited to see like pol- like specifically Sunspot, Polaris, and Sync in the X-Men tie-in books to the next Marvel events. Like, when they have to be around, it's like, oh, it's the X-Men team, and we get to see, like, Sunspot playing around with fucking Iron Man and... Sunfire. Yeah, Sunfire. And <laughs> fucking Sync being being a, next to fucking Cap. Yeah, the best. I love him so much, dude, so... Yep, uh, but great great week of comics. You got anything else? Anything we didn't mention? Uh, no, that's pretty much everything on my side. Yeah, me too. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us on We Have Issues. Uh, we are going to wrap up with that. Uh, so, as far as following us, uh, you can check us out on Twitter. You can find me at WHI Podcast Keith, our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz, Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. 
You can find the show at WHI Podcast. You can find our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter. You can also find us on Geek Elite Media at geekelitemedia.com as well as at Geek Elite Media on Twitter. And check us out. Uh, check out all the shows on there. We have so many different shows. There's going to be something that you will like, I promise. Uh, but thank you so much for being here with us. And don't forget to always geek out. This concludes our broadcast.